Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. 405 on a Wednesday, the Sports Cage, 620 CKRM. Derek Taylor, Clayton Croker with you, Sean Kleisinger riding shotgun. Farhad Lalji, TSN football expert at 445. Alan Mitchell on the Oilers' two-game winning streak at 505, plus some other NHL topics with him. Ian McMillan, the bet side, it looks ahead to the NFL playoffs, the conference championships on the weekend, and we both recount our mega money parlays that just about hit but missed by just a little bit. In the meantime, and in between time, Zinger, we're not starting the show until the Edmonton Elks admit they're just trolling everybody with this latest announcement. Oh my, what, what, what's we're, happening? We're not doing it. Uh, Clayton, <laughs> when Chris Jones took over in Edmonton, I think we expected more of, more of what we're used to, right? Uh, same style, same demeanor, same clothing. Uh, I, we expected that, right? He, he's going to be who he is. Same accent. Oh, yeah, bring it on. I love me a Chris Jones accent. Let's go. <laughs> this from the Edmonton Elks right now. They announced some signings today. And I'm just going to read the list of signings for you. Among the moves were several big-name receivers coming to Edmonton, including 2015 Grey Cup champion Adarius Bowman, two-time CFL All-Star Emmanuel Arsenault, and CFL veteran Caleb Holly. What? Is who, what? Exactly. That is who the Edmonton Elks signed today. Also announced Wednesday were the additions of former NFLers Matthew Elam, Riders fans will remember, and Daniel Ross. Riders fans may not remember he played one game with the Riders. Adarius Bowman is the name to lead the list of signings by the Edmonton Elks today. Clayton Croker, your thoughts. I don't know what you're talking about. I got a Daniel Ross jersey. I thought everyone did, obviously. Um, uh, duh. Uh, no, that's it's twenty. It's 2016, apparently, and that's awesome because that was pre-COVID. PC, let's go. So, no, that's weird. The Emmanuel Arsenal one is the one that kind of stuck out as well. He was playing like Div Two Arena Ball, wasn't he? Yeah. Just keeping it alive. Uh, Manny was fine here in 2019. Uh, mm-hmm. That one. If it was just that one, I'd be, oh, okay, well, I kind of get it. He's, the Edmonton Elks today signed Adarius Bowman, whose last – Adarius Bowman was amazing for probably a three-season run in the CFL. The final of those three seasons was 2016. 2017, 12 games, 500 and a bit yards receiving. 2018, Winnipeg had him, said, we don't – no, no. He went and then went to Montreal where, nope. Nope, not really. Has not played in the CFL since 2018. He's going to be 30. Jones, he's going to be 37 years old by the time the season starts. Or he's like, due. He's he's due. due for a good year. Like I, I understand, and this is why I think they're just trolling us. I just I just think the Elks are trolling us by signing Adarius Bowman, Emmanuel Arsenault, Caleb Holly, Matt Elam, and Daniel Ross. Uh as beautifully written by our friend Evan Dom, Bowman needs no introduction to Edmonton fans. A three-time CFL All-Star put up some of the best receiving seasons in green and gold history during his stay in the city champions from 11 to 17. Jones knows him from his first tenure in Edmonton. But five years after he was a great receiver, 
At the age of 37? You've got to be trolling us with this. Come on. This is his third time go around with the team, too? Like, this would be his third signing with Edmonton. <laughs> Just, has that ever happened before? Has, has a player ever signed with a team on three different occasions? I don't even know. Um, I, Not like practice roster, active roster, back and forth kind of thing, but yeah, like yeah. over that period of time, has a, has a player ever signed with the team three separate times? I, do, I honestly don't know. Uh the the headline that Ross and Elam bring NFL experience, they sure do. Um, Matt yeah. Matt Elam was in the was in the uh, NFL, what before he came up here, mm -hmm. and he played a little bit with the Riders in 2018. Since then, he uh, had the year off, played with the DC Defenders, and was most recently playing with the Tucson uh, Sugar Skulls. Oh yeah, me. the Sugar Skulls. I know. Yeah, go Tucson. Sugar Skulls. <laughs> Woo! Of the indoor football league. Go Sugar Skulls. Ordering I, my cap. I don't even know what to say. Props to all five men achieving pro football status. Manuel Arsenault, I loved Manny for his entire career. Adarius Bowman, as I mentioned, that three-year peak, amazing leading that Elks team. It's about to be 2022. There's guys you know. There was the story last week of, oh, he's reached out to Deron Carter. What What are we doing here? What What is happening to my CFL? Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I kind of agree. Because I don't like it when the CFL turns into a circus here. At least people are kind of talking about it, right? And it sucks that it takes these old players from the crypt in order for people to talk about it. But at the same time, it's kind of exciting news. It's fun stuff to talk about. It's not just the same old free agent talk. It's, oh, these former stars coming back. Will they be good? What if a Darius Bowman comes back and just lights it up? Does that maybe that's not the best thing for the league though? Because it kind of shows you can just take four years off and come back. What what if Thanos collects all five stones and, and eliminates half the population of the Earth? Like it what? could happen. Come on, like five years. It's I don't even I don't even know what to say. Uh, the Vince Young signing when he brought I, I I was watching again from afar. I was just laughing. I'm like I sure. That was a great era, the Vince Young era. Sure. It's not going to work. Vince Young was unbelievable in college. It's not going to work. It didn't work. He was a Madden cover boy in 2008. <laughs> he, he should have been. I'm too busy on the Sugar Skulls uh, website right now <laughs> is it, is trying it good? to find out who their quarterback. Daquan Neal was their uh, starting quarterback. Daquan uh, Neal. Indoor football league legend. Uh, Darius Bowman was amazing. 2016. 168 targets is a is an amazing number. 120 catches led the league. 1761 yards, awesome. Nine touchdowns. That receiving core in 16 in Edmonton, crazy. But unless a Darius Bowman also gets you Darrell Walker and Duke Williams and uh, Bryant Mitchell, I I don't understand what's happening here. At all. They're, so the only thing I can come with, Zinger, is that they're trolling us. I'm being trolled. We're being trolled by the Edmonton Elks. <sighs> DT, before the show, you were teasing me what, with what this news was going to be, and I couldn't find it when I went on Twitter because uh, it was nowhere to be found. And Did it live up to the level of consternation and amazement that I was showing? Yeah. <laughs> Adarius uh, Bowman is going to be back in the Canadian Football League, and... Uh, 
Yeah, he's going to be a 37-year-old man, and uh, he hasn't played in five years, and uh, he's going to be wearing the green and gold. Manny Arsenal, I think he's uh, he's turning 35 this year. At least he's played football recently. Darius Bowman, like, I wonder what his weight's at. Like, is he still in shape or like, what's what, like he, potato chips? Or he what? does some like, stuff on social media. He looks, he looks like an like an in shape thirty six year old. Okay, like like, like a Terrell guy Owens. Went, oh, like Terrell guy. Owens can still play. Wow. He says, yeah, To <laughs> may be a different class, but uh, Darius Bowman is the director of admissions and enrollment and the wide receivers coach at a high school in the states. Um, I I don't get it, and honestly. Do you just not want to recruit? Do you just not want to go out and find guys? You just went. You he know, just don't. Who he's is not great? ready to say bye. He that no athlete wants to retire. He wants one more crack at it. Maybe he sees his former coach back at a place he's familiar with. He's like, maybe I'm just going to go for one more run at one more championship. That's probably what he's thinking. Even the Ottawa Redblacks of 2021 didn't reach out to a Darius Bowman. Like the guy's been out of the league essentially for five years. I. Oh, I just I'm we're getting trolled. We're getting trolled. It's uh, not real. It's aggressive. Let's let's say this. Props to all five men. I hope it works out for you. I hope I'm totally wrong on this because you should be able to live your football dream for as long as you want. That said, come on. What are we doing here? It stole away. I wanted to talk about free agents and and guys from other teams. You you think the riders my, should bring in? My sports tickers don't even matter anymore. I had a bunch of <laughs> CFL signings and stuff. Like, don't, no, don't the riders? We anymore. should we should sign Kamal Peterson. Let's bring oh. him back. Uh, let's get him on the phone. Derek Armstrong. Derek Armstrong. Terrence Edwards. <laughs> Call him. <laughs> just just start firing him up. I think that's I think that's absolutely the way. Brent Johnson, I know he's in the Hall of Fame. We need a Canadian at rush in. Let's go. Let's bring him back in. The former G. Roy Simon. What's he doing? Yeah, I mean, G. he's Roy. got a new job, sure, but G. Roy Simon, take him off. Cahoon of- could still play. Ben he could Cahoon. still move. Can never have enough slot guys. I don't even Keto Pobla. Can we get Keto Pobla in here? I feel like he's training athletes. You know, I think the Riders should do. If Jamal Morrill's going to be our full time running back, we got to call up Gizmo Williams. To be our kick returner, Corey Sheets. Corey Sheets, come on! I, I it just it makes me rub my head, and the whole Chris Jones experience is going to be make me rub my temples and go, huh, real okay, yeah, mm-hmm, sure, sure. Oh, that guy, that guy was a big name American at one point. Okay, sure, let's do it. Boy, what if Bowman lights it up like Clayton said? What, what like what if he's a thousand yard receiver? That would just be bonkers. What if Bowman he's tears so his big. Achilles? <laughs> in training yeah. camp. Yeah. Right? Ay, ay, ay. It's coming. The Elks under Chris Jones, they are coming. 4-14, Four and 14, here it comes. I, I don't even know what to say. What recently retired CFL or do you want to see Jeremy O'Day go out and get? He has to have hung it up or become not relevant to current day CFL in the last 5, 10 years. Which one do you want to see? 306-936-6262 is the text line. Can we one-up Chris Jones in his own game, perhaps? Let's let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, we need to do the Aaron Rodgers nickname bracket. Zinger is very excited about this. I want to know four free agents you want from other teams to be on the Riders, and Farhan Lalji will join us at 4.30 on the cage. It's 4.19 with the afternoon rush. Pats goaltender Matthew Keeper. He recorded his first career shutout in a 4-0 win over the PA Raiders Tuesday night. Connor Bedard 
scored his 20th goal of the season in the win. Pats and Raiders will do it again on Friday at the Brandt Center for a 7 p.m. puck drop. You can hear it all right here on 620 CKRM. And like I said, I had like CFL news here, but uh, by far the biggest CFL news of the day now is uh, the Edmonton Elks. They're signing everybody from years past. They've signed uh, wide receiver Darius Bowman, uh, two-time CFL All-Star Manny Arsenal, and CFL veteran Caleb Hawley. They've also signed uh, former NFLers, former rider Matt Elam, uh, Daniel Ross as well. He's a defensive lineman. So, yeah, they're signing everyone right now. The, the news I did have was the Stamps, they've signed the guy who actually played in the league last year. Uh, Kamar Jordan. Yeah, remember Kamar Jordan? Uh, contract extension, the team announced on Wednesday. He's back in the... A red and white. He had 53 receptions for 767 yards. He had four touchdowns, and he earned West Division All-Star recognition in 2021. And the Indianapolis Colts, they've signed former tight end Nikola, uh, Nikolai Kalinich to a reserve contract. And uh, Kalinich played in 30 regular season games in two seasons with the Tabbies and the Owls. This shouldn't even be on the paper anymore. But uh, they signed American receiver Dante Absher to a one-year deal DT. Yeah. One being announced yesterday. Dwayne from Tway says, hey, guys, you've taken Chris Jones' bait. Yes, Dwayne, we absolutely have. I cannot believe it. Brad is on the text line. Oh, Clayton, this is great. I think they should do two for one, speaking of the riders. Bring back rock and roll Preston. Rock and roll Preston. <laughs> I love it. Wow, we're that talking early 2000s now. That is, uh, that <laughs> is great. CP says the Elks better sign Ben Gay. Yeah, wow. they should because 30, soon to be 38-year-old. Tom Canada. <laughs> uh, one call for bring back Mike McCullough, one of the best leaders the Riders ever had. Yes, mm -hmm. I'm in favor of that. And Murray and Wellwin says, Darian Durant would make a great backup quarterback this year. Wow. Like, that's the level. The Adarius Bowman re-signing by Edmonton is like the Riders bringing back Darian Durant. Ooh. It's that level. Of, I'm going to throw out. Hit me. I'm going to throw out two names for you here. Greg Carr. Oh Remember my Greg Carr. Yes, absolutely. That's a big lanky, the big rangy receiver the Riders could use. I get just... him on the phone. Get him on the phone right now. Uh Mark Chapman. Oh my Oh, he didn't where play. A, is he, he didn't the play. Former a snap. number 1 pick. God, where is get he? Get him on the phone. He was get, with... get him on the phone. Doesn't matter where he is. Hey, it doesn't matter where anybody is. Get him all on the phone. Corey Sheets, get him on the phone. Oh man. I I love the thought of rock and roll Preston. Just do it. Does Tiki Barber? Does, hey, you know what we need? We need Tiki Barber and Rondé Barber. We need help in both both backfields. Let's go. Bring him up here. That's funny. Joe oh. Monfort, get him on the phone. Oh, Joe. Joe Monfort, yeah. Bring it on. Like Alfred Pate. It's not like signing Charleston Hughes, right? Charleston Hughes, the guy super productive in nineteen, fell off in twenty one. This isn't that. This is like you sign Charleston Hughes four years from now. Yeah, Bring like, it back. this, guy's in, this guy hasn't Bowman. been productive since 2017 with, with, with the Elks. Like, he wasn't productive his last year when he was bounced around with the, what, what was it, the Bombers, Owls. Like, yeah. he hasn't, like, done anything in, yeah, literally five years. Literally five years. <laughs> he was years. bad it's, that season, too. It's 2022. Oh, he really yeah. was. Yeah, 2016, he was the leading receiver in the CFL. 2017, speaking of Darius Bowman, 45 catches for 534 yards in 12 games. Then bounced Winnipeg and Montreal, and it was very clear that it wasn't it wasn't going to be his year. And when I mean Winnipeg was not loaded with receivers, they were they thought you know what let's take a shot on this. And it's so funny. Bless Chris Jones because he will always give us something to talk about. In this case, uh, 
you know what? I'm rooting for Manny. I want to see the Manny show yeah. because he was nice here mm -hmm. and he did everything you could have wanted. And that's, if you wanted to bring in like guest coaches for camp, and this is how you're bringing in guest coaches. Speaking of those two guys. Okay. I'm on it. I get you. I'm afraid that may not entirely be the case. Uh, we need <laughs> no CP wants George Reed. Oh no, no, can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, we need to do this because we got to do this. We're, there are three rounds to this draft. We'll do, we'll do uh, more CFL with Farhan Lalji coming up at four 30. But Clayton, uh, obviously Aaron Rodgers has drawn some attention this season and this offseason. There are some folks who were not particularly sad that the Green Bay Packers were banged out of the playoffs unceremoniously. Zinger is flipping double guns at the world because he is mad, obviously, as a Packers fan. There's a fellow I follow on Twitter. He's a fantastic football follow from America. His name is Justus Mosqueda, at J-U-M-O-S-Q. He has compiled the Aaron Rodgers needs a new nickname bracket. And with his particular views about what COVID is and what it means to be immunized versus what it means to be vaccinated, we have some. We have eight nicknames to, uh, to go at. So we need to, we need to uh, promote these bracket style. Uh, Clayton, I'll come to you first, and I'll go to Zinger, and we'll figure out who we advance. Are you ready? Absolutely. All right, the Aaron Rodgers nickname bracket. In the 1-8 matchup, we have Throw Rogan versus Let's Go Brandon Whedon. Throw Rogan versus Let's Go Brandon Whedon. Who do you it's got, Clayton? It's got to go Throw Rogan. Throw Rogan's the best one. I think Throw Rogan's the favorite so far. That's uh, that's that's coming out of the gates hot right there. Zinger, Throw Rogan or Let's Go Brandon Whedon? It's Throw Rogan. You can't deny Dr. Rogan. Yeah, absolutely. All right, in the 4-5 matchup in the Southeast, we have the number five seed, Pitch McConnell, versus number four, Chucker Carlson. Ooh. Zinger, to you first. I'm going to go Pitch McConnell. You're going with Pitch. Yeah. Clayton? After the Eminem thing, it's got to be uh, it's got to be Chucker Carlson. You're going to, oh, that's right. The what was it? The Eminem was too sexualized. Is that right? The green one was too hot but, for him. No, he he was mad that they took the sexy Eminems away because apparently because apparently that needs to be a thing. All right, uh, we have a split. I, I will say the five seed Pitch McConnell uh, will get through with the four or five matchup. The three cool. six matchup, Clayton, number three seed Rush Lambeau or number six seed Vinny Testa Positive. Oh, both are good. Yeah. Both are good. Ah, I can't push, hey? You can push. Uh, you can push. No, no I'm going to take Testa Positive. Test I'll take Vinny. <laughs> Vinny Testa Positive in the, uh, in the Southwest bracket. It's got to be Vinny Testa, Testa Positive. Vinny, Vinny Testa Verde. Yeah, Shout Vinny out. Testa Positive <laughs> will come out as far as nicknames for Aaron Rodgers and the 2-7 matchup. Can't believe this is happening. <laughs> Zinger, the number two seed is Breitbart Star. And the number seven seed is the very strong, came on late in the season, QB Giuliani. I, I, Which one is a better nickname for Aaron Rodgers? Honestly, I like QB Giuliani, to be honest. <laughs> I, I like that one. Yeah, that one rolls off. I'm going that one. Clayton, QB Giuliani or Breitbart Star? <laughs> I think the number seven seed pulls off the upset, the Cinderella story there yeah. with QB Giuliani. Wow. March Madness style. I, I would have thought Breitbart Star was getting all the way through, but you guys have gone Giuliani, so I will, I will follow in there. Uh, shout out to the teams that did not make the quarterfinals for the Aaron Rodgers nickname challenge. Marjorie Taylor Green Bay. <laughs> Q Iran Rodgers. 
Clan Marino and Info Warren Moon. Wow, Clan Marino. Among the nicknames, the new nicknames for Aaron Rodgers. So we have our final four. They should have a play-in tournament for those last ones. Oh, my gosh. NBA style. QA Ron (laughs) is is very very solid. All right, so we have our final four, and we will knock these down as we go on throughout the show. It'll be the number one seed, Throw Rogan versus Pitch McConnell, and it'll be the number six seed in the upset, Vinny Testapositive versus the seventh seed, QB Giuliani. A hotly contested semifinal is going on. The perception of Rodgers is remarkably different than it was just, I don't know, eight months ago, Zinger. Just because he's an immunized guy. (laughs) He's immunized. Don't don't you forget it. I knew what I was doing. I was just playing with the media. Okay. He would. Cool. He would. He you, would to, you, you had to sit out a game. He would have uh, expanded on on his answer if there was a follow up. He said so. Yeah, which I I to some degree am with them. Like, yep. wait a minute, immunized or did you get the vaccine? Would have been the follow. The media didn't follow up on it. It, it happens in news conferences. Yep. It it just it does. Things they are uh, quite different. Uh, Nerds unite. The Minnesota Vikings naming Kwesi Adolfo Mensah their new GM. A man with a master's degree in economics. He was a Wall Street trader before he joined the 49ers and Browns. The nerds are taking over, and they're coming for your NFC North, Zinger. They're not, I coming, love it. For, they're not coming for anything, DT. I, 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 hate, I hate the signing because I think, it's a good, I think it's a good move by the Vikings, to be honest. So bring, bring I can't in believe I just with, said that. Yeah, bring in a guy who's, who's used to figuring out the edges and let the foot – you know what? He's going to be the boss of the football people. The football people will scout. You don't need another scout. You need a general manager. You need an organizer. You need a planner. You need a guy who tells you to go for it on fourth and one, Buffalo. <laughs> I hope he likes losing because when you put on that purple, you're not going to win a thing. So. That is rough. That is rough. It is 429. TSN football expert Farhan Lalji joins us next in the cage. One big number for this day is three. Felix Oje, Aliasim, and Dennis Shapovalov have now been to the quarterfinals or deeper in three of the major tournaments. Shapovalov getting knocked out by Rafa Nadal, and Zinger watched uh, every minute of Felix Oje, Aliasim getting up two sets to love on Daniel Medvedev before falling in five sets. Canada's young stars on the men's side continue to thrive, both now looking to get over the hump. At the French Open, the only tournament that neither has ever gone past the second round, much less to make the quarterfinals. One big number brought to you by Realtor June Daku. Get one big number for your farmland. Call June Daku, 306-736-7640. 431, all the guests of the cage appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. He is TSN football expert Farhan Lalji, who talks some hockey as well. And uh, Farhan, I-, I wanted to talk about this, but Chris Jones is sidetracking. But uh, your, I thought your take on uh, Jacob Panetta and Jordan Subban was really measured and, and important. If we have a second, I want to touch on that at the end, if that's cool by you. Sure, sounds good. All right. Uh, is Chris Jones trolling us with the moves the Edmonton Elks announced today, uh, signing Adarius Bowman, Emmanuel Arsenault, Caleb Holly, Matt Elam, and Daniel Ross. Are we getting trolled here? I kind of think you're getting trolled, my friend. Could you imagine all those guys coming back and playing? I Man, if you could unite that crew in 2016, ah, 
blow the doors off. But literally, Darius Bowman was the leading receiver in the league in 2016, fell off a cliff in 2017, and got cut by two teams in 2018. And I, I don't. Is there something to this? Like, what's your impression? Are, is this guest coaches at camps and great guys to have around, or does Chris Jones want a 37-year-old receiver? Yeah, you know what? I I got to be honest with you. I got to dive into it a little bit deeper. Um, yeah. I haven't had a lot of chance to digest it with all the Canuck information today, but um, yeah, it was certainly a bit of an eye roll. Just uh, you know, a lot of experience there. There's no doubt about it. But uh, whether or not they can all run and play at this stage of their lives, I'm not so sure. It uh, it got us talking, and there were uh, they announced about a dozen signings. But uh, to throw the headline that uh, Matt Elam brings NFL experience, I'm like, yeah, he does from a while back but he certainly does for 2016 uh chris jones is good at making news in the canadian football league and making us uh smile i gosh well, we always say that chris jones has his guys right so well this fits into that yeah it, it absolutely does even a guy who played one game with him uh for the riders uh bring them back and see what they're all about uh let's talk some cfl first uh if you are the bc lions and we talked about Michael Riley's retirement. We've talked about Nathan Nathan Rourke on the show. If you're the BC Lions, how good a second quarterback do you want in there? Not necessarily number two or number one or whatever it's going to be, but how good another quarterback do you want in there? Well, I mean, you know, I've always said if you've got a really young quarterback, you're number two should be experienced. If you've got a really uh, veteran experienced quarterback, your number two should be the next one, the young up-and-comer. And so certainly the Lions are on the, the former end of that, and I, I think Trevor Harris is the logical fit in BC, right? As a guy that can come in and be a one B. I mean, you're going to have to really, really be clear with what the role is, and uh, you know, and, and and how that all fits. I, I think they want a path to make Nathan Orr their number one quarterback, right? Um, you know, and especially if they're in a position where the quarterback can be one of seven starters, which previously it wasn't, but the expectation is that in the coming year that it will be, right? So. Uh, you know, in in the new CBA, as far as how the ratio is constructed, so I think the, um, the they they want that. But I think a, a guy like Trevor Harris, if you could bring him in, you know, on a salary, and, and look, I'm not here to negotiate for the club and the player, but it, you know, to me, if you say to if you say to him that look, we're going to give you, for example, 180 hard, and we're going to give you playtime incentives that could get you up to 300, right, okay. or something along those lines. So if you happen, you know, if Nathan Rourke falters and you happen to be the guy, and you, we carry the ball and run with it, then, then you're there. Or, you know, something along those lines where they can still be, you know, comfortable with who they've got as the number two. They're still investing somewhat in the position. But at the same time, they, they've cleared a bit of a path for Nathan Work to, uh, to earn that job. I think something like that makes a lot of sense, right? Um, you know, and it, it's weird right now, the quarterback market, not just in terms of starters, but in terms of backups and who can put themselves in a position to have two legitimate options because I think – those teams are going to be few and far between. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. From from what they've said and from your feel about the situation, do do you think the Lions intend to go to camp with Rourke as the number one, or the, do they intend to go to game number one of the season with Rourke as number one? What's your feel? Well, um, I, I think it's camp, right? I, like you know, like if they if they were to bring in a Trevor Harris mm-hmm. and he clearly outperforms Nathan Rourke at camp, then I think they're going to take a, a meaningful look at that, right? But you know, ultimately, it comes down to who that second guy is. Let's say Trevor Harris decides there's a better option for him elsewhere or he doesn't want to play again or whatever, right? Uh, let's say something like that happens, and then, you know, at that point, whoever you're bringing in 
you probably in your mind at that point have decided that Nathan Rourke should start going into game one, right? Um, I don't know that they're really in the mix for Jeremiah Masoli. I know that's been floated out there because, you know, he's a West Coast guy and, um, you know, he may view that as his best situation. But I, I don't know that the Lions are going to create that scenario, right? I, because to do that, Jeremiah Masoli is going to get a minimum of 400000 you know, wherever he winds up going. And the Lions aren't going to do that because once you do that, they go that's not a competitive situation. Mm-hmm. That's a situation that's predetermined. So I, I just don't see that. I think Toronto is going to, you know, keep McLeod, Bethel, Thompson. And, you know, as, as you look at other names, you know, the only wild card for me is if Edmonton really makes a pitch for Masoli. And if they do, that means they're going to have to buy out Nick Arbuckle. Yeah. Um, they're not buy him out, but they're going to have to cut him. They're going to have to give him his 100000 bonus, and they're going to have to cut him. So if they do that, then where does he land? And then does that become a viable scenario for BC or does he go to Ottawa or does Strebler go to Ottawa right so there's a, there's a few other dominoes but assuming Masoli goes to um, assuming Masoli goes to Ottawa then I think everything else kind of falls into place as we see it right yeah stylistically Masoli Rourke would seem to are much more similar than Harris Rourke or anybody honestly Arbuckle Rourke but uh, yeah I if you're gonna the, they the dollars matter more than the styles I would yeah very, that's an excellent point, and I, I feel like you had this opportunity with this freed-up cap space. And what do we say in the NFL every year, right? You have a quarterback on a rookie contract, go win the Super Bowl because Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, you win, you can win on a rookie when your guy is dramatically outperforming his contract. And there's at least the potential for Rourke to dramatically outperform his contract. If he plays like a $400,000 player, what a huge boon that would be. Uh, to the BC Lions. Foreign Law GTSN football expert with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We're we're talking about this in the shape of uh, the Riders and four players that you think should come from other teams and join the Riders. Are there big-name free agents that you think are most likely to be switching teams, whether it's that they come here or not? But guys, who would you think are guys more most likely to be switching teams? I don't think you're going to see a lot of big-name guys do that. Right? Really? Okay. Yeah, like, you know, I, I just find that, you know, that, that generally guys wind up circling back, right? I think, for example, I think the Lions are going to get something done with Brian Burnham. Um, Duke Williams, I think, is going to wind up going to free agency. Uh, you know, where's, uh, where's Hamilton at with Brandon Banks? I've got to double-check and go through my notes. Does he get re-signed, or is he going to be, you know, poten- potentially a name that winds up going? Um, you know, when you look at linemen, right, what's going to happen with Garrett Davis? Yep. What's going to happen with Micah Johnson? Um, you yeah. know, there, there aren't necessarily a lot of big-name um, defensive backs available, right, uh, that, uh, that everybody's going to be clamoring for. That tends to be a lower-paid, more of an entry-level type of position, right? That those guys don't move around for big money, right? People don't break the bank to go get a free agent defensive back. Um, so, you know, as I, as I look at it, I think Kenny Lawler is going to be a name of interest. Uh, I think he could potentially go if things don't work out for him in the nfl i think there will be a market for his services right i mean ottawa is going to be a real wild card in the market because they want to go out and get playmakers they have to get playmakers and even bc losing the riley contract it opens you up to spending a little bit more money and you don't currently have a lot of linemen that you've got to pay right so you know they those two teams are wild cards right now in terms of how they could potentially drive the market because of who they're not having to currently pay off their existing roster. So a few of those types of names kind of jump out at me as possibilities, but I, I don't think there's going to be a, like, you know, it's not going to be a feeding frenzy. 
with, uh, you know, 15 or 20 big-name guys on the move. I just don't think that's how it works in the CFL anymore. Guys usually find their way back to the nest before we get to February 9th or whatever the, the day is. Yeah, it's yeah for and for as much as consternation as there is about guys switching teams uh you're i mean you're right the big the big name guys end up sticking with what they've known we're glad to have Shaq evans back here uh maybe a little sad when he said you feel like burnham's gonna end up back in bc because i still i still have my pipe dream about uh him uh, rocket number 16 in green far and lodgy with us he yeah, talks i think the first oh. i think the first contract has been pretty good uh, like i think the, where they're at currently in negotiations is pretty good so I, my gut tells me they're going to find a way to bridge that gap. Single tier. Oh, all right. Well, I, I, I move <laughs> on. C, uh, CFL, you cover the Canucks as well. And the Canucks making some news. Uh, the first Swedish GM in the history of the NHL and just the second Euro GM in the history of the NHL. Who is Patrick Alvin? Uh, Patrick Alvin is uh, assistant, assistant general manager with Pittsburgh most recently, right? And um, you know, a guy that's got a scouting and, and player identification background um, and, and a guy that's learned a lot about the other aspects of the business uh, during his last couple of stops, particularly in Pittsburgh under Jim Rutherford, right? So, you know, I asked him today, I'm like, you know, what are you good at and where do you need to grow? And he talked about, you know, working with the coaching staff on a day-to-day basis to kind of, you know, see what their needs are and, and, you know, take that type of approach, their perspective on a roster, which maybe an AGM doesn't do as much of. Uh, as the GM does, but, um, you know, he, he's well-regarded in that area, but the Canucks are coming off a, a GM with a scouting background, um, and, you know, it didn't necessarily work out for them. The difference here is that right now you've got a president that really is going to set the mood and the tone for the organization, and they're building out the organization, which didn't happen under Jim Benning, right? Uh, you know, you had Trevor Linden at the time. He brought in Benning, but then once Linden left, then it, it really became a, a smaller, uh, less professionally run organization as opposed to what they're currently building out here. You know, you look at Emily Castonguay and, you know, what they've added to their analytics department, uh, Rachel Dory and a few others. So, you know, they've already added one AGM. There's probably going to be an, another one to come. So when you look at kind of how they're trying to operate and try to really give certain areas, whether it be player performance, whether it be contracts and salary caps, you know, all those different areas, they're trying to really add resources to them and, and build them out a little bit and have a few more voices at the table. So while I can't necessarily tell you I'm an expert in Patrick Alvin, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can tell you that the direction of the entire organization under Jim Rutherford looks markedly different than it did a couple of months ago under Jim Benning. Well, and, and you mentioned Emily Castingay, who is a, a, an agent to uh... – Good Lord, lost his name. First overall pick. Uh, Thank you. God, I'm I'm awful with names this week. I, I look at that, and th- on the most surface, I just go, okay, that's people with different experiences and different uh, expertise to to bring to the Canucks. I, I like at least the thought of all this. I don't know how each individual will do, but I really like the thought of what they're doing. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, right? I mean, you look at an organization like the Leafs, and they're able to – kind of create these silos and have multiple people within each one and and them work independently but then each of those silos having a voice at the table in the decision making process and that's what hasn't happened here right you know you had a gm previously they just kind of made the same types of mistakes over and over in terms of how he tried to build or how he spent the agency um whereas this is going to be a much different approach and i think they'll be a little bit more progressive and cutting as a model right i mean it's the organization took a, 
a step backwards. You look at when they last had an agent, like Gillis, right? Mm-hmm. Came from the agent world, came in and took a real player focus to how they built things out. Right? And they wanted to make sure, look, this is the salary cap for everybody. But what can we do within our organization to maximize every one of those dollars that we're currently spending, right? And that approach really shows the organization well. Just with that, a similar voice like Emily is going to be really good. You know, that player-focused approach, and then you're going to get, you know, all sides of it. Uh, you know, even the Sedins are going to have a bigger voice. And, you know, you've got Ryan Johnson, who's the American League team, and he's going to have a bigger voice on the player development side. So I just, I just like what I'm seeing. It feels and looks like a much more professional organization than what we've had here for the last five years. I like it. I like it. Farhan Lalji, TSM with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, Clayton, jump on in. Football, hockey, whatever you like with Farhan. I just want to circle back to Kenny Lawler a bit because everyone here in Saskatchewan kind of focused on Duke Williams. If Kenny Lawler ends up going to the NFL, is that going to change the market for Duke? Like, is that going to raise the price tag quite a bit, knowing that another top-tier receiver is is out in the CFO? I think so, yeah. You know, and if he becomes that one guy that becomes available, if Burnham does, in fact, re-sign with BC, I think that's a a huge factor for him, right? And, you know, my understanding is that he very much wants to – explore the market and see what's out there for him, right? I think that's the expectation uh, in Sask as well, not to close the door on the riders at all. But, yeah, there, there's going to be teams looking, right? And, um, you know, does Edmonton need that guy, right? I would think so, right? I mean, I think Ellingson now is probably better as a two than he is as a one, and I would expect that, you know, they're not going to be able to pay Darrell Walker what they did previously, right? So I don't know that that necessarily works. Ottawa, again, you know, heavily looking for playmakers, right? Uh, so... So, you know, we'll see where it winds up going. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's going to be a, a premium for Duke services. I think he's aware of that. Uh, he's 28 years old. This will be his biggest contract. This is the time to go get it done if you're him. Do you think he's looking at the other teams with cap space, like Edmonton and Ottawa, and looking at, like, their quarterback situation, just their team situation in general, being like, do I really want to go here long term? Like, do, do the riders have an advantage in that way? Uh, potentially, right? I mean, you know, I, I don't know how he feels about Cody Fajardo, but I think all three of those things have to matter. Number one, what are they paying you? Number two, is it sustainable, right? And so you've got to look at what their current rosters are. And, you know, is this somebody giving you a two-year deal and making you feel good knowing that they're going to cut you hard the next year? And if so, who's your quarterback? Because can you put up the kinds of numbers that demand you're going to get the money that you've been promised in year two of the contract, right? Because if you don't, and the quarterback situation is not good, then they're definitely going to want to cut your contract, even if it's not your fault that your numbers are lower, right? So all three of those things matter, and you have to hope the agent understands the league well enough to put it in those terms, right? Because sometimes you get American agents who don't have you know the mileage um, in CFL circles, right? And there's some really good ones, but there are some that, that just – Where's the money? Where's the money? Where's the money? And, you know, they wind up doing a disservice to their clients because they'll put them on a one-year deal or they'll put them on a, a longer deal that's just not sustainable because of the other elements around it. I really hope that, again, I know that Duke Williams, you got to test the market, whatever, but right now it's kind of sounding like he might be the only big-name free agent receiver, and that's that's not good for the riders, DT. No, no. No, unless they just take my advice and just back up the money truck, just right up to his house, money truck, take what you need, uh, and let's let's come back to this. Uh, Far, we haven't talked about this uh, on the show at all, but there the incident in the ECHL that made light on so that came to light, pardon me, on social media uh, with Jacob Panetta and Jordan Subban. Uh, PK Subban retweeted it, and it became a a 
I don't. It became an act of racism, and and Panetta got cut from his team and suspended. And then Panetta came out with a video saying it, it wasn't racist. It was me doing like the the muscle man, and you're being a tough guy. You, you had a really nicely measured response to uh, uh, to the whole incident so far. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's a difficult situation for everybody, right? And in these issues involving race, I think the um, the easy and in many cases the right thing to do is to jump on the side of being anti-racist, right? Mm. Uh, and obviously, as a person of color that's experienced a level of racism, I've gone there before, right? Uh, especially, you know, during issues around you know the U.S. election and what's going on, uh, you know, with BLM and everything in the in 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 around that in the last eighteen months, right? I mean, it's been it's been difficult, right? And race relations have been heightened in a really negative way. And then you get people on the other side who say, well, you know, you're just race baiting and there's just not enough of that. You know, there's not the racism out there that you want there to, that you think there is. And you're creating more of it by talking this much about it. And, you know, there's so much on there. And and it was difficult for me. Like I went back and I looked at the items. Um, You know, I looked at the video and I, I, I listened to the story and, it, it just felt to me like it was plausible. I'm not telling you that I fully believe Jacob Panetta. I'm not telling you I fully believe Jordan Subban or any, anything like that. Mm. It just felt to me like it, that the explanation in this particular case, after looking at the video, was plausible. There's going to be more information that's going to come out as the ECHL does its investigation. And they talk to officials and, and people around the teams and people in the stands and, and what have you. And... A judgment is going to be drawn, but I kind of, in this particular case, want to wait until it is because, you know, if this person wasn't intending to be racist and his actions are misrepresented, um, now we're also destroying that kid. Yes. Now, for me, the one person I refuse to be critical of in all of this is Jordan Subat. And I say that because you don't know what he's experienced, right? And his experiences led him to his reaction and his interpretation of what was presented to him. And if you listen to the video of what went down and just listen to the video, uh, you know, there are cat calls from the stands and inappropriate language and stuff that's just horrible. So within the context of all of that, Jordan Subban had the right to react the way he did. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Now, for the rest of us, let's hang on a second. And let's, you know, if the explanation to you seems plausible, just listen to it. Right. And wait for more information to come out. And then maybe we can pass judgment as well. Right. And, and so, like I said, for me, I, I just think it's easy to jump on it. And I'm certainly at, at, in previous times, I've seen certain posts, you know, of, of, of somebody being shot by a police officer. And and I've watched judgment before. And so I've been on that side. Um, but, you know, the, the guy that has the right to act to react the way he did was was Jordan Sudan because of what he's been through. You don't know that. But. There is also an intent of what was actually uh, supposed to come, you know, from Panetta and, you know, what he meant by all of this. And I just, I don't want to humor him if he didn't really intend to say that, right? If, mm-hmm. if he was trying to flex and that that motion could be viewed differently by a different person in a different context, like, I just, I don't want to kill him yet. I, I don't, right? I, I just want to, personally, I, I hope that Jordan Panetta is found to be correct in this situation, that other people look at it and say, you know what, maybe he was right here and, and, and he didn't intend for this. You know why? Not because I know Jordan Panetta. It's because I want there to be less racism in the world. Yeah. Right? I, I want to believe that he wasn't acting this way. Right? And just because that tells me that in one particular incident, 
there was less racism in the world, right? And it really comes down to that, right? As opposed to everybody just wanting to jump. And people have criticized me, and I get people that want to, you know, that think I'm on their side. Oh, the woke mob, cancel culture, like that conservative side of, of the world that thinks I'm one of them, and I'm not. No. You know what I mean? Like, I, I believe if you were a, you know, a U.S. general that's got a statue in a building named after you and you've now been found to be racist, that statue should be torn down and your name should be stricken from the record books. And if you call that cancel culture, well, so be it, because we shouldn't celebrate that person anymore. So, like, I, I'm not on the side that wants to criticize all of that, right? And, and that's what's come out. You know, people come, have come after me, and I know that when I posted that, people were going to be all over me on both sides. I yeah. get it, and I'm not comfortable with either side of it. All I'm saying is I would love for there to be less racism. And maybe in this particular case, I hope there was. Yeah. Was it, is it plausible that just what if was the only question? What well, if? Here, here's the one thing. When I saw Jacob Panetta's video, I went, you know what? I kind of buy that. One, that's the easiest tough guy gesture you can do. And Jordan Subban never said he made monkey noises to me. He said he made a monkey gesture. I'm like, if you'd said monkey noises, okay, well, we can't tell that from the video, but that could well be Jacob Panetta just doing that most muscular pose. That's the one that I would go to first if I was mocking somebody for being a tough guy. So it's well, and, and regardless, it's like for you, feasible. you can't come out first and, and support Jacob Panetta. Why? You're not a minority. No. Right? And you'll, you'll get crucified if you did. And I've got colleagues that I work with that felt uncomfortable with what was going on, but they couldn't say anything, and they felt helpless too because of their color. And for me, nobody came to me and said, hey, how do you feel about this? Yeah. I looked at it on my own. I felt uncomfortable on my own. I asked some people, what do you think of me posting this? I didn't just post it. Yeah. Right? And, um, you know, like I, I, I kind of parsed every word on what I said and made sure because I knew how hot button it was going to be. Uh, but I, I just felt that for somebody to take that approach that, that's of color, I think was important. But again, that's not why I did it. I just knew that I could because because I am a minority, right? And yeah. if you're not, you couldn't say what I said. You couldn't because you don't know, right? And that that's tough as well, right? Because well, in these arguments, here's what happens, right? You, well, I got, you got about 30 seconds, race, Farhan. We got to we got to bail. Oh, oh, last thing, people people that have dealt with racism, um, they don't want your sympathy. They want your empathy. But in order to do that, we have to allow you to be empathetic. And right now, there's mm. no window for that. Because when you're critical, you're like, you don't know what it's like. Well, you want us to know, but you're not giving us the chance to know. So allow people to be empathetic if that's what you're really looking for. I like it. Follow him on and Twitter. I'm taking the Chiefs and Ra- I'm <laughs> taking the champs. The, the, I'm taking the Chiefs and Rams this week. <laughs> Farhan Lalji, TSN on Twitter. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Farhan Lalji with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. This segment for Nick's service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. 456 with the sports ticker. The Vancouver Canucks have officially named Patrick Alvin their new GM on Wednesday. Alvin is the first Swedish general manager in NHL history. Canada continues their World Cup qualifying quest on Thursday in Honduras. A win on Thursday assures that the Canadians remain on top of the CONCACAF's qualifying group for at least another match day ahead of a crucial home match against the second-place Americans on January 30th, which is Sunday, I believe. Sunday, Sunday, championship Sunday. Probably won't watch that soccer game. Happy birthday to the great one. Wayne Gretzky turns 61 years old today. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service 
is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. Alan Mitchell joins us at 505 to talk about the Oilers and the NHL. Two things here. Uh, I retweeted this at DT on SC about three hours ago. Uh, this person on Twitter recreated the final minutes of Chiefs Bills in the style of the old 8-bit Tecmo Super Bowl. Oh, that's amazing. It's two minutes long. If you remember Tecmo Super Bowl, you will not regret spending two minutes watching at Benstonium recreate Chiefs Bills in in Super Tecmo Bowl style or Tecmo Super Bowl style. It's awesome. It's every every touch you want, this person hits. It's fantastic. That's at DT on SC. And the final four in the Aaron Rodgers nickname bracket. Throw Rogan versus Pitch McConnell and Vinny Testaposita versus QB Giuliani. Clayton, don't spoil which way you're going to vote in the future, but is there, is there, you think, a favorite perhaps to go all the way of those four? I think there's a favorite, and as much as it pains me to say the favorite is the favorite as of right now, it's going to be tough to yeah. dethrone the number one seed. The number one seed, Throw Rogan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a six-seven matchup. Uh, Zinger, Vinny Testapositive, and Ru- and QB Giuliani. Hey, you don't count out Vinny Testapositive quite yet. <laughs> you don't count the, don't count them boys out. We will break that down as we try to get Aaron Rodgers a new nickname at J U M O S Q. Justice Mosqueda, uh, responsible for the eight-man nickname bracket. Four fifty-nine news is next on six twenty CKRM. on a Wednesday. Miss any of the show? Get the Sports Cage on demand for the Canadian Brew House. Winter wonderful feature dishes available now at the Canadian Brew House. My heart goes out to our next guest, Alan Mitchell, known as Low Tide, who hosts the 10 to Noon show on TSN 1260. So, Alan, on your show, you did not get to recap the Edmonton Elks signing of Adarius Bowman, Manny Arsenault, Matt Elam, Caleb Holly, and Daniel Ross. <laughs> you did. They they always they always wait till later in the day, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Adarius Bowman was amazing for a couple of those seasons in Edmonton, but they were. Uh, I think Gretzky was still playing in New York at the time that uh, Adarius Bowman was ripping <laughs> it up for the Elks. Well, you know, uh, uh, the the CFL off season is going to bring us uh, great joy and pain. Uh, uh, across the league, I, I'm, I, I think quarterbacks is where we start, but uh, um, there, there's some great receiving talent out there too. So, so you're feeling like we'll, we'll see how it goes. Maybe like a Ricky Ray, uh, may, uh, Michael Riley. I mean, is he really committed to retirement? Could he be back? Uh, how far back do you want to go? Warren Moon? Like, there's got to be oh, some man, some middle I, zone there. I, I, I will tell you that one of my great uh, uh, joys as a, a, a football fan in Canada was watching Warren Moon throw the ball. I, yeah. Honestly, uh, I, I, you know, I, a lot of people say Flutie was the greatest quarterback in the league. And he certainly, he was better suited to the style of the CFL. And it was a wonderful QB, but as a thrower, as a, as somebody who could, could drop the ball perfectly and, and have it spiral through 
God knows what wind or rain was coming. <laughs> I've never seen Warren Moon's equal uh, in the CFL. And, and honestly, I don't know that there's been a better one in the NFL. He was a, a brilliant thrower. Well, he so just, I vote him. He so. just started following me on Twitter on a week ago. I'll, I'll reach out and see what happens getting uh, Warren back to You're a good man. Canadian You're a good football. man. Just thinking of the best <laughs> of the league. Health of the league is, is priority. Uh, health of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I can't believe they've won two straight games. With all the conversations we've had, we now have to talk about them on a winning streak. And it's a weird winning streak, too, because in all honesty, they've been down a couple of goals in both of them, and that's been the problem. They they can't get the first goal in the game, and the NHL is, is kind of the league where, where if you score first, you're going to win most of those games. The last two, they have not. They, they've had a hard time with that this year. But I think there's a desperation that the Oilers are playing with right now, and especially on Saturday against Calgary, who are a very good team. Vancouver is is a maybe a little bit less than than uh, Calgary is an opponent, and they had a lot of injuries and, and uh, COVID going through. Uh, so so the the Saturday victory to me was more impressive. But last night, because it came, it started in the third period. Mm-hmm. It also was was impressive. But I think I think as a matter of course, Oilers fans will know. They're, they are truly playing well when they score the first goal in the game once in a while. Two victories, though, are huge. And, and it's funny because for all the turmoil that has happened since December 1st with the losing streak of the Oilers, and they've been bad, the win last night puts them basically in a flat-footed tie percentage points-wise with Anaheim and L.A. for the final uh, playoff spot of the Pacific. So if they could run a, a few more games in a row as victories, then uh, we're talking, you know, Oilers fans will go from humble and humiliated back to being you know the 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 overconfident bunch that they sometimes are well yeah was it losing 14 of 16 will definitely poke a hole in your balloon but if you're i mean you would expect some sort of i I always like to call it progression to the mean you can't keep losing 14 of 16 when you are that good especially when you're firing out 50 to 27 were the shots on goal in that that game are what did you see was it was it just unlucky was it was it hot goalkeeping on the other side? Like, what, what kept what kept that one so tight, requiring Connor McDavid to score the the winner with under thirty seconds left in OT? I, I think you you hit the nail on the head. I think the the young Spencer Martin, who's a you know, I mean, he's like I think number four on the depth chart. He was just brilliant. He just he was a he he has played well. Uh, I think that was his second game. Uh, this year for Vancouver, and he's played well in both of them, and he was just terrific. The, the Oilers had, uh, according to the National Statric, I can't remember the, the the ratio, but it was like something like you know eighteen to two or something high danger uh, chances. Oh my they, gosh! They really were. Yeah, they were. Kyler Yamamoto alone had three or four. Uh, McDavid did. Drysital did. Uh, yes, Apolyarvi had a couple. Uh, they were they were all over Vancouver, and and you know. Vancouver plays a pretty stout game five on five. They don't give up a lot of goals, and uh, some of that is structure. Uh, and they they have a tendency to be weak on the penalty kill. Well, the Oilers kind of flipped the switch there last night. They they gave up a, a shorthanded goal, and and at, at five on five they were they were they were getting great chances. But again, Vancouver was doing a really good job. The Oilers could have lost that game. Ryan McLeod with a you know low percentage shot ends up you know, getting the first goal and then oh. that sort of lit a fire and, and the Oilers were able to come back and win the thing. That that first goal, as we're talking to Alan Mitchell of TSN 1260, that first goal for the Oilers on, on the comeback, that was a stinker. But 
uh, oddly enough, it counts as much as Dreisaitl's beauty that was the second goal. Yeah. <laughs> just a, It was just a it, terrible it, goal, but hey. It was, you know, I mean, and they, and the, it, it, after all he'd done too, and it's, it's funny with young goaltenders or goaltenders who aren't established because I think he's 26. Th- that's sort of the way sometimes, you know, it, it, I've seen so many uh, goals scored uh, as a, as a hockey fan on, on whiffs where you're shooting hard, but it, you, you just barely dust it and it throws the goalie off so badly it goes in the net. And the McLeod goal was kind of like that where, you know, he stopped probably 55 shots that were more difficult than that one. And that's the one that goes in. It's just crazy. Yeah, it is bizarre. Dreisaitl got the 2-2 goal. It was his 29th. Connor McDavid now with 20 on the season. Uh, the overtime winner. Clayton Croker, want to jump in with Alan Mitchell here? Alan, I'm wondering, did you see the uh, did you see the Aaron Dell incident? Yeah, I did. That was wild. That I want to know. I want to know your thoughts on how you should punish a goalie who does that, because the fact that nothing happened to him during the game, like he didn't get punched in the face, he didn't get a penalty. Like, how do you deal with something like that? And going forward, like, how do you make sure this doesn't happen again? Because that's a greasy move. Alan, before you jump in there, Clayton, can you describe what happened for folks who didn't see it? Well, like Aaron Dell went out to kind of play the puck, and I forget which Ottawa senator it was. It might have been Batherson, I think. Yep. Goes yep. to kind of, and he's he's trying to avoid him. You can clearly tell that he's trying to avoid him going like around the net, and Dell just completely throws like a like a Bobby Boucher shoulder into him. He goes into the boards, twists his knee and ankle up, and it didn't look good. It was a, it was a, a a bad play, and then of course, uh, you know the injury. To a, like an emerging player, Batherson is a, you know, he's having a great year, he, all-star kind of year, and and for him, he, he's going to be out now for some time. That's a very unnecessary play and a dirty play. Let's you know, that's that's what it is. The the problem with goaltenders is, and, and Dell isn't exactly a a starter. So if you if you suspend him for three games, he might not have played those three games anyway. So I I, th- I think you have to be very uh, uh, hard on this particular uh, uh, suspension. I don't know that they will be, but even for like for a backup goaltender, five games isn't that much, but you, you have to, you have to really send a message because it, th- th- there's, that's a play where the, the skater is very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. He's coming in with speed because that's, that's his job. And, and the, the goaltender makes that play which is an unusual play. You don't expect it. It's not like you can anticipate the goaltender going rogue like that. And and so I, I do. I think you have to you have to uh, make that a, uh, a a very large suspension. And I'll add that I agree with you. I was a little surprised that it wasn't not necessarily a pushback against any uh, you know a specific player, but against the goaltender himself because that was like you you've got to meet that. That was the thing that went. Was I was surprised by was it clearly was intentional. This wasn't something that that mm-hmm. he, oh you know I think of, well just a, he caught my arm or whatever. But he was he meant to do that. And that's the thing. Like you're always trying to avoid the goalie. It's a little unfair when the goalie's trying to go after you, right? It's like I, I know that you're probably sick and tired of answering Evander Kane questions, but well, we got to ask because I'm I'm seeing the tweets again. I'm seeing the Evander Kane to Edmonton tweets. How does that make you feel? Well, I think it's it's twofold. I think the, I think the Oilers are uh, aware of what he can do for them, and I think that the Oilers are also aware of of what the the 
the side story or the the additional story will be. There's a calculated risk with Evander uh, Kane, and, and it's, it, it it takes me back to a time when when the Oilers were sort of the the team, not like the Oakland Raiders, uh, but but they there were players who. Uh, like Donnie Murdoch, as a, for instance, as just an example, who who would get a second chance with Edmonton. Now, Kane's had more than you know two chances, uh, and his story is a little bit different. So we'll see how it goes. We still don't know whether the NHL is going to uh, suspend or not suspend. It sounds like that this thing is uh, pretty much fait accompli. There's apparently two teams involved. We don't know the second team. It was uh, rumored to be Florida, and then late rumored to be Washington. So we'll see. But it, I would guess that we're going to, you know, if we were having this conversation 24 hours from right now, we might know uh, where Evander Kane was going to land. A Darius Bowman today, a Vander Kane tomorrow. <laughs> Two big days for Edmonton Sports, DT. Um, Two pretty big days. Amazing. I can't even imagine what might be next. Uh, Alan, I want to throw uh, one more at you. Uh, Oilers played yesterday. They won. The Winnipeg Jets played yesterday, and they lost. A fifth straight loss for them. So it made me dive into their stats a little bit, and I found this because I wondered, well, how's Connor Hellebuck doing? And the answer is, not as great for the la- as the last couple of years. And, and here's the stat I found I want to run by you. He's faced this season versus last season. Hellebuck's faced about 200 fewer shots. However, uh, according to Hockey Reference, the number of high-danger scoring chance shots against are almost double what they were last year, despite it being 200 fewer shots. And I'm, I'm just trying to process how a team can give up so many, one out of every five shots is a high danger scoring chance. Seems like an incredible rate. It, it is. And, and I, you know, ordinarily, the first thing I always do is I look for, uh, you know, changes in the, the defensive structure. Well, you know, uh, Dave Lowry is going to have a different structure than Paul Maurice. And uh, in, the, in the games where Lowry uh, has been the coach, they're, they're improved on special teams, but their five on five numbers are, are, uh, down, their expected goals are down. Mm. Uh, their shot share is down, uh, and, and that's that's a problem. Their goal percentage is way down. And here here's the tough thing uh, about about midseason coaching changes is you know there's some luck in there, bad luck in this case for Lowry. But uh, Maurice was a pretty smart coach and a tactician who who got a lot out of his players and he I mean they've got some good defensemen there but they also have some young guys that they're running who who I thought responded very well to what Maurice was doing it it seems to me that when you're giving up that many more high danger chances there's every chance something about the structure of your team that's changed and and Lowry coming in would be the obvious example of that and uh, either the either there's bad luck there's an adjustment process mm. that is taking place for the the defenders and the forwards to to get used to a Lowry structure, or the you know bad luck is just overwhelmed them. As it happens, uh, anybody who's an auto fan the last six weeks knows that can happen. But if this continues, uh, it's going to be disastrous. And Halibut is he's a great goaltender, uh, but he was playing well in a structure there in Winnipeg under Maurice. And and sometimes when the coach goes away, the the magic goes away too. We'll be watching as it goes on. Oilers and Nashville tomorrow. They get the Habs on Saturday. Alan, thank you, brother. 
Hey, have a good one. Thanks, guys. Alan Mitchell, follow him on Twitter at Low Tide. He's with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Clayton asked the question. The NHL answers Buffalo Sabres goalie Aaron Dell suspended three games for his interference on Ottawa Senators forward Drake Batherson. Just a dirty play. So dirty, Clayton. Three games? Three games. That's brutal. Yeah. I don't like that at all. Like that, it's As a player, you're taught to never touch the goalie. Always avoid the goalie. You touch the goalie, you got three guys in your face giving you the business right afterwards. Goalie comes out to play the puck, you're avoiding him. How is it fair that the goalie is going to intentionally hit you? It's just such a greasy move. Like, I'm a goalie. There's a code amongst goalies. Unwritten rules if you're a goalie. Don't do this. The players aren't touching you. You don't touch them unless they talk about your mama, and then you hex stall them right in the face. Like, there's an unwritten rule. There's There's a little bit of a code amongst goalies. Just don't be that guy. The players are leaving you alone. You leave them alone. It's just... It's so unfair when the player's totally not expecting it. And if Batherson's leg ends up getting messed up, like that's a young player in this league taken out by a, a journeyman goalie who's only famous because his pads are colorful. Like, no, yeah. I don't like it. Don't he, like it. Well, and the next time Aaron Dell plays against the Ottawa Senators, he's, he's dead. He's going to be in a he's vulnerable dead. spot, and he's going <laughs> to hope he doesn't get run by somebody who's willing to deal with their own three-game suspension. It's 522. Ian McMillan, a bet sided at 530 on the cage. 523 afternoon rush. Pat's goaltender, Matthew Keeper. He recorded his first career shutout in a 4 nothing win over the PA Raiders Tuesday night. Connor Bedard he scored his 20th goal of the season in the win. Pats and Raiders will do it again on Friday at the Brandt Center. 7 p.m. puck drop on 620 CKRM. Calgary Stampeders have signed American receiver Kamar Jordan to a contract extension the team announced on Wednesday. Jordan had 53 receptions for 767 yards and four touchdowns and earned the West Division All-Star recognition in 2021. And the news of the day in the CFL, I don't have it written down here, but uh, the Elks, they've signed Darius Bowman, they've signed Manny Arsenal, they've signed uh, Matt Elam, uh, Caleb Hawley, Former rider and one more defensive lineman, like Ross, something Ross. Seven other guys. They've signed a lot of people, Inclu- including some from the 2020s, which is, you know, at least they got a few of those. It's craziness. My Amazing. mind hurts. I can't think of it anymore. <laughs> it really does. The text line is 306-936-6262. The Elks, I was just thinking, have kind of sidetracked us from the conversation I wanted to have about what riders free agents. So maybe we... Uh, we shove that to tomorrow because we need to get to the semifinals of the Aaron Rodgers nickname bracket. Well, we've got a couple minutes here. Ian McMillan slides in next. Uh, the 1-8 matchup, throw Rogan, beat out, let's go Brandon Whedon. Uh, pitch McConnell with the upset over Chucker Carlson. Not a 4-5 matchup, so not a huge upset. Vinny tested positive over Rush Lambeau. I really thought Rush Lambeau would, uh, would stick, but Vinny, the winner. And I am blown away that QB Giuliani took out Breitbart Star. Because Breitbart Star, I thought, was absolutely genius. So, Clayton, we're off to the semifinals. Nicknames for Aaron Rodgers. The number one seed, Throw Rogan, versus the number five seed, Pitch McConnell. Who you got? You know, 
You know what? It was a nice little upset for Pitch McConnell in the uh, in the Elite Eight there, but this is the Final Four. You know, you're going up against the number one seed. You're gonna have to bring your A game. I just think throw Rogan is perfect, right? It's simple. It's to the point. It's just. Uh, you know, they've been kind of buddy buddy. I think Throw Rogan wins this one. It's Dr. Rogan. <laughs> going with I'm going with that one too. Zinger, Throw Rogan advances to the final. Uh they will meet the winner of Zinger, you can go first. Vinny Testa Positive or QB Giuliani. You already know Vinny Testa Positive's going to the championship. Oh, I shouldn't say that yet. That's just my vote, but go ahead, Clayton. <laughs> Clayton? See, like Vinny Testaverde and Aaron Rodgers do kinda look like each other, like a bit. But ah, QB Giuliani's good. You know what? It's got to be Vinny Testa positive because just you want creativity alone. Uh, and plus, everyone loves a Cinderella story, right? I mean, watch the movie Caddyshack. There so you go. Uh, I'm going to give it to uh, Vinny Testa positive. Another upset. Yes. So we have the sixth seed getting into the final. I like that. It'll be Throw Rogan versus Vinny Testa positive. We'll do that just before the six o'clock hour as we try to get AA Ron or QA Ron, whatever you want to do. A brand new nickname. The regular season goat. <laughs> he he certainly was the well. He'll win the MVP award. His Man. fourth. He is. He has taken a turn. He has. There was the big. I just phoned up Aaron Rodgers and let him talk for twenty eight minutes. And here's my article on ESPN. And like. He's ripping the president of the United States, Joe Biden. I couldn't believe my eyeballs when I saw that. Like, Frank, why? Why are you putting yourself out there like this right now? Like, oh. heel turn. Heel he turn. Likes WWE. He, you know, every once in a while, you need a heel turn. Even uh, John Cena did a heel turn once. You know, everyone. Everyone has a heel turn once in their oh, career. NWO Hulk Hogan. Boom. Mm. Right. Chris Aaron Jericho Rogers has about Aaron Rodgers has about six heel turns by now. But uh, hey, whatever. Chris Jericho WrestleMania twenty, I think it was when. Uh, he was wrestling Christian, and then Christian stole Jericho's woman, uh, Trish Stratus, at the time. Oh, and, everyone, yeah. and everyone was like, oh, my God, you can't do that to Jericho. And everyone loved Jericho all of a sudden. Yeah. That was Jericho's, like, long hair. Like, yeah. It was like a long mullet, but also a man bun at the same time, if that makes any sense. But that was when Jericho was putting the walls on everybody. Everyone was going on the list back then. Yeah, that was good, good times. WrestleMania 20. Yeah, they tried to uh, turn Rey Mysterio into a heel one time. It just oh, didn't work because everyone liked him too much. Yeah, some some guys just can't do that. DT, no, like Aaron Rodgers, yes. Yeah. I, I don't approve of that conversation, but I let it happen. <laughs> it, seemed, it seemed good, and anybody listening who loves wrestling was right there with you. Yes. Every step of the way. I'm, I'm kind of stuck in, remember when Hulk Hogan uh, used a chair to help Macho Man Savage win WrestleMania 4 or whatever that was. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's kind of where I stopped. So. <laughs> exactly. 528. Ian McMillan, the senior editor of BetSide, and we'll talk some NFL. He's got a bet for the NHL tonight, and he's got a team. He's made an, an, a, uh, an official declaration of fraud in the National Hockey League. We got fraud. We got fraud. Ian McMillan coming up next in the cage. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. 531, he's the senior editor of Betside and Ian McMillan, who a week ago today said take all four underdogs in the divisional round. 
Ian, you did it in a parlay. Please tell me about the ride through Saturday and Sunday that that wager was. It was about 13 seconds away from being uh, the greatest weekend, both in football history and in my betting history. All four underdogs, first three hit, exhilarating finishes to all of them. They all came down to the last play. Bills take the lead with 13 seconds to go against the Chiefs. I put $25 parlay on all four underdogs to hit uh, and would have paid out uh, just under $1,000. And I was celebrating when the Bills went up with 13 seconds left, only to have the heart ripped out of me like it never has before. Uh, so I, I, it was it was a roller coaster of a weekend. It was fun. Uh, I, I still did have individual bets on each of the underdogs, so I still did walk away up. But uh, that would have been a sweet, sweet, sweet hit if uh, Patrick Mahomes didn't happen with 13 seconds to go in the game. So I saw on Twitter you you were a little pained that you you had a decision when it came to that last game. The first three underdogs had won, and you were you were thinking, do I hedge out of this fourth game? By which uh, by which I mean for folks who aren't big on hedging, it's you bet the opposite side of the result you have at the end of a parlay, and that way you guarantee yourself a profit. Were you at all close to hedging out of that last Bills Chiefs game? So I, I could have hedged to, at, at the start of the game, and I and especially when I probably should have done it was when the Bills went up seven nothing to the start of the game. So I could have hedged in a way where I would have just won like around five hundred dollars, no matter what the outcome was. Yeah. Uh, but of course I didn't. I wrote it. I did end up hedging a little bit when the Bills went up. Uh, at, right at the start of the flurry at, at the end of the game, so like two minutes left. Um, I put 200 on Chiefs money line at plus 115. So I, I oh, did okay. walk away uh, up uh, around $200. So it, it wasn't all lost, but still the difference between the Chiefs winning and the Bills winning still was around a $750 swing. So uh, still not the most ideal outcome, but I did hedge at the last second. Yeah. And I'm, I'm <laughs> very thankful I at least did a little bit. Well, smart. And, and honestly, that's, that's a bet that you make in the beginning because w- it feels like wouldn't it be a great story if this comes true? More so than the money. The money you were going to win wasn't going to change your life, and the money you risked right. yeah, didn't yeah. change your life, right? Right, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I rarely do parlays. It's how sports books make all their money. So I, I rarely, rarely do them. Um, but I, I did honestly feel all four underdogs were the right pick. So I yeah. f- figured I'd sprinkle $25 on a parlay just, to, just for fun, just to see what happens, because that's what parlay should be for. Um, it would have been quite the story if it would have hit, but. Uh, I guess still a decent story because it came down to that uh, 13 seconds. Amazing. Ian Zinger here. Did you have the option to cash out with 13 seconds left? Like, what would the cash out have been? Like, you probably would have had. You probably would have walked away with basically every, like everything. So the the sports book I I bet it at down here in uh, in the states doesn't offer cash out options yet. So I was never offered one. But that's good then. I certainly would have looked. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you got to look at when it comes down to that. All right, uh, this is my story from that game. Uh, every week, I'm, I'm crafting parlays, popping them out on Twitter. Uh, Ian, you can feel my pain. I had I had it six ways. I went six ways because I felt like setting twenty five dollars on fire. Patrick Mahomes over three hundred twenty five yards to throw three or more touchdowns and to have twenty eight or more completions. When it went to overtime, Mahomes hit all of those. I had Josh Allen on the same parlay, over 324 yards. Yes, he had that. To throw four-plus touchdowns, he threw them all to Gabriel Davis. So there you go. We had that one. And Josh Allen, the sixth leg, was 28 or more completions. And because they didn't touch the ball in overtime, 
He finished with 27 completions. You were completion oh, short? No. I was I was one completion short. You did not uh, sleep Sunday night. That's uh, that's tough. You're, that tops my story. That uh that that that's quite the parlay. To to miss that by that much is uh that's that's a heartbreaker. I, I feel your pain. You can imagine how I felt when the game was going to overtime, right? I'm like, man, if they both touch the ball, I'm raking it in on my uh, whatever I got maxed at $18 wager, which would have paid out or pretty good. If they good. win the toss, like you're guaranteed to win it if the Bills win the toss, right? Cause... Well, if they didn't score the opening touchdown, because, yeah, I needed a Mahomes touchdown pass and an Allen oh, completion true, right? in overtime. Right. So I needed them both to touch the ball. And coin flips ruin everything. That's what we're learning. All right. Uh, Ian McMill and the senior editor bedside are with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We have two games now on Sunday, the conference championships. Cincy and Kansas City, At uh, uh, last I saw Kansas City back to being a seven-point favorite with a total of 54-and-a-half. What, what's your early – it's only Wednesday, but what's your early lean on the AFC championship? Yeah, no money lines for me this week. Uh, I'm going to back the, the Bengals getting the points, though, plus seven. Uh, the whole late-game heroics in that Bills-Chiefs game kind of distracted people from the fact of how bad the Chiefs' defense was in that game. Uh, offense, obviously, arguably the best offense in the league, but their defense has a lot of issues, especially in defending the pass. And we saw that happen a few weeks ago when they played the Bengals, when the Bengals beat them outright. Joe Burrow threw for like 466 yards, four touchdowns and no interceptions. Jamar Chase had 266 yards, I think it was. The best game of any receiver during the entire NFL season uh, was uh, Jamar Chase against this Chiefs defense. And the biggest weakness that the Bengals have, we saw it kind of get exposed in the divisional round, is, is their pass protection. Uh, Titans sacked Joe Burrow nine times. But going up against the Chiefs, the Chiefs have the second-worst pass rush in the NFL, second-last and sack percentage. So they're going to get to Joe Burrow a couple of times, but they certainly aren't going to uh, put up the, the performance that the Titans defensive line had against them uh, this past week. So I, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's probably going to come down to another game where whoever gets the ball last, with the point spread being right at that magic number of seven, uh, I'll take the Bengals. I'm certainly not confident in them winning outright, but I, I, I think they can keep it within a touchdown. Now, now for folks who aren't as experienced as you are, seven can be a tricky number, right? Because they win by a touchdown, you push. W are, would you want to wait? If, if someone wanted to tail you on this bet, would you want them to wait and see it go to six and a half or seven and a half or to move the line themselves, or are you comfortable at seven? No, I'm pretty comfortable at seven, but yeah, that's a good point you brought up. There's two kind of magic numbers when betting on football. It's three and seven, uh, because obviously those are the two types of uh, scores, obviously, outside of a safety, but uh, field goal, three, touchdown, seven. So if it's a tie game late, uh, a winning score is going to be one of those two. Now, if it goes to overtime, uh, you're safe with that seven-point spread, because obviously they, they don't kick the extra point in overtime, or even now there's a new rule in the NFL, if it, if the touchdown scored on the last play of the game and the extra point is meaningless, uh, they don't kick it at the end of the regulation either, so right. um, I'm fine with seven, if it comes down to seven, I'll just take the push and get my money back, but uh, yeah, it, it might move another half point to seven and a half, but I think sports books are pretty happy with where, it, where it's at right now. Yeah, they, they get into to problems if they move it off of seven and cut, right. whether it be six and a half or seven and a half. So they'll make you pay probably 25 or 30 cents to, to move it yourself if you want to buy a, a half a point. Uh, something to consider, whichever side uh, you are on that one. Clayton Croker, where are you on Bengals and Chiefs? It's, it's only Wednesday, so we still got time, but how are you feeling about the AFC Championship? 
I think I'm going to get greedy on the overs. Like I think the parlay mm. that you had there, like the like the uh, four touchdowns, the 28 completions, that kind of thing. I would do that exact same parlay for this game because I think Ian hit it on the head there. Like Casey's defense, woof. <laughs> Casey's offense though is going to light up the Bengals defense, right? I think it's just going to be a huge shootout, and I think I think you hammer the over on a lot of those props, right? Like the over the receptions, the over the yards. I think it's just going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be one of those games where you can where you make a lot of money on the overs. Well, Ian, the total at fifty-four and a half. That was, I think, where it finished in the uh, in the divisional round for Kansas City's game. And man, they left that in the dust after even a slow start. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would. You will. You will not find me betting on the under in this game for sure. <laughs> I mean, how many points were scored in the last two minutes between the Chiefs and Bills? Uh, a lot. So, no, I, I will not definitely not be taking any unders in that game. All right. Ian McMillan, the Cedar editor, bet sided with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. In the NFC, it is I, – I don't even know what to make of. The San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. When we pulled the line, the Rams three-and-a-half-point favorites with a total of 46. San Francisco was – I don't know. Their offense was not impressive, but they beat the number one seed, and the Rams the Rams were super impressive, at least offensively. Where are you on the NFC Championship? Yeah, this one's a little bit of a tougher call. Uh, I am going to take the Rams. I'm laying the three-and-a-half points with them. I, I think the Rams are the most complete team in the NFL from top to bottom, unless they turn the ball over. Yes. Uh, that's the big if with them. Matt Stafford threw two interceptions in both of their earlier losses to the 49ers this season. Last week, the Rams still won, but they turned the ball over four times in that insane game against the Buccaneers. If they just don't turn the ball over, I think it's like a, they're, they're a step above the rest of the team. The issue is they rarely ever not turn the ball over. They've been turning the ball over all season. So, um, But at the same time, it's hard for me to bet on the 49ers and just kind of hope that the Rams turn the ball over, especially with kind of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo being just as questionable with, with some of his throws. So very tough call, but I, I do just think the Rams have the mo more complete team and they have a very good run defense, uh, which should help quite a bit in slowing down the 49ers offense. So I'll go Rams, but certainly not comfortable with it. That one's, that one's a tough one. Yeah, San Fran, you mentioned the running attack, be it Elijah Mitchell, be it Debo Samuel. They're, they're incredible in the NFL, maybe maybe only Baltimore is like is at least at their level with with the ways in which they can run the football. My question with San Francisco is, what if they're down ten nothing halfway through the second quarter? Do I have any belief that they can win the football game? And and honestly, I really I really don't. Uh, am I am I off on that? Well, they, they did have a second-half comeback against the Rams there in Week 18, but the comeback was kind of uh, spurred by Matt Stafford interceptions. So, yeah. uh, And, and kind of the same thing. I mean, they had a comeback against the Packers this past weekend, and it happened because of special teams. So uh, if, if it comes down to their offense making the comeback in this game, I, I think that's going to be tough. But, uh, they, I mean, to be fair, they are very good on defense, very good on special teams, and uh, all you need is a couple plays bouncing your way, and, and all of a sudden you're back in the game. Uh, Ian's also got uh, hockey to talk about. Uh, did I see this right? Did you declare one NHL team a fraud, official declaration of fraud on Twitter? Yeah, there's nothing I love more than pointing out frauds in professional sports. Pointing out the Titans, uh, and then they were one and done in their playoff run in the NFL. Uh, the NHL, the Rangers. Now, this might have to do with the fact I was at Madison Square Garden when the Leafs blew a 3-1 lead against them last week. 
Uh, <laughs> but when, I mean, when you look at the Rangers, like statistically, they're honestly in the, like this, the bottom half of the NHL in basically everything. Bottom five in a few stats, but it's just because Igor Shesterkin, their their uh, their goaltender, is by far the best goaltender uh, in the NHL this year. Like he's he he should be a shoe in to win the Vesna Trophy, no doubt. I wouldn't even I think his name deserves to be in the Hart Trophy because he's stealing games for the Rangers right now. They are not a good team. Igor Shesterkin. Uh, and the backup's pretty good as well, Georgiev. But uh, if they had, like, an average goaltender, they'd be, like, a bottom five, bottom ten team in the NHL. Uh, at least I think so. So the Rangers are frauds. You've put that out there now. Islanders fans hate you because uh, uh, E from Entourage wants to, to beat you into a pulp for your Islanders takes in the past. And you live in New York. How are you going to be able to walk the streets safely, man? Yeah, I probably I probably should stop going after New York teams. That was that was something I considered before I wrote that article about them being frauds. But um, yeah, <laughs> I I haven't said anything too mean about Islanders fans for a little while. I mean, they're it, it's kind of punching down at this point. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, you have a play for the Bruins Avs game tonight. Yeah, I do like the Bruins on the road plus one fifty underdogs in this one. Avalanche, obviously hottest team in the in the NHL. The streak that they're on is insane. But the Eastern Conference is way better than the western conferences here so you always have to kind of take those records into consideration when it's an eastern conference team against western conference and boston is so good defensively this year uh, among the best in the nhl and uh a fewest high danger scoring chances allowed you're getting them at plus 150 against the avalanche te- uh, this avalanche team tonight i think it's a good value bet uh colorado's obviously good uh, but not quite as as, as dominant as, as the recent record might indicate. So I like the Bruins as road underdogs tonight. Love it, love it. He's on Twitter at Ian MacBets, I A I N M A C Bets. He writes for Bet Sided. He's he's all over Twitter. He's got everything. He's declaring frauds. He's sweating out uh, the most exciting NFL game in a decade. It's fantastic. Ian, thank you, brother. Appreciate your time today. Thank you very much, guys. Take care and uh, best luck to anyone who bets. Ian McMillan, bet sided with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. It is 545. Big news from the Regina Cougars for folks who want to see a little hockey and volleyball. We'll talk Aaron Rodgers. We'll talk CFL and so much more still to come. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 547 with your sports ticker and yeah looking at this news the U of R Cougars they're excited to welcome back a limited number of spectators to uh, home events beginning on Friday so tickets they're going to be going on sale to the public beginning tomorrow at uh, 6 p.m. that's uh, great news for uh, the U of R Cougars and uh, Canada's Felix Ushu Aliasim uh, he dropped a heartbreaker Wednesday morning it was a heartbreaker for me watching this uh, Russia's Daniel Medvedev stormed back from being down two sets to love to win it in uh, five sets. Medvedev moves on to uh, his second consecutive uh, Aussie Open semifinal. And uh, what else do I got for you? Canada, they, they continue their uh, World Cup qualifying quest on Thursday in Honduras. A win on Thursday would be big because that would mean Canada would stay at the top of the table heading into uh, 
the Sunday game against the Americans. So it's uh, not a must-win tomorrow, but it's a, a big game nonetheless for the Canadians. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781 2090. Zinger mentioned the Cougars welcoming back a limited number of spectators. It's over the next two weekends, basketball and hockey both. If you want tickets, you cannot get them at the door. You've got to go online, reginacougars.com. Tickets go on sale tomorrow starting at 6 p.m. You can't get tickets at the gate. Remember that, but uh, limited number of spectators, spectators will be allowed back. And it's Wednesday on Thursday, 7 p.m. YouTube premiere. The Saskatchewan Sport Awards go live. Uh, very honored to be hosting the event. We honor the best athletes in our province, the best junior athletes, the team of the year. Will it be the Thunder? Ooh. The unbeaten Thunder? Oh, that was a tough one still, huh? To oh, oh, the... One game away. Exactly, exactly. Coach of the year. Recognition Awards, we talked to Astrid Becker, the Regina Cougars soccer coach yesterday. She's getting an award for her 28 years, uh, giving her time to athletes in our province. The Saskatchewan Sport Awards tomorrow, 7 o'clock on YouTube Premiere. Please do check it out. Uh, Friday, Clayton, no Blades game on Friday. Yeah, I got postponed, and I'm pretty bummed about it because the Blades are hot right now. I don't know if you've looked at the uh, WHL leading scorers, but atop that list is uh, Kyle Krinkovic, probably the most underrated player in the league. This guy's an absolute snipe. And then Tristan Robbins, I think, rounds it out at five. So the Blades have got two of the top five scorers in the league. Nolan Myers going for the WHL all-time win record. And then this happens. Uh, it sucks. They've won four in a row against really good teams. They beat number one Winnipeg. Hopefully their game on Sunday is still a go. But, yeah, that's uh, it's a kick in the pants for the old Blades. Yeah, nine players in COVID protocol, so the Blades can't field enough of a team. They'll postpone the game and play it at a later date. Uh, I was at the Pats game last night, Zinger. Got to watch a little Connor McDavid up close and in person. McDavid, McDavid. Was, was on the ice yesterday. Yes. Connor Bedard. <laughs> I knew. I, wow. I, figured, I figured I was going to do it the other way and call Connor McDavid Connor Bedard. But I do it all the time. Bedard, just Dude. his one uh, his one assist, just dancing in the, in the uh, offensive zone and then just all of a sudden just jerks one across the ice. All the way across the ice, bang, goal. Tanner and, Howe, man, that, oh. that that power play that they have going right now, that one-timer, that's like, it just reminds me of like Alex, Alex Ovechkin when he's like on the power play. He just kind of waits along the sideboards, waits for the one-timer. That's what, what like Tanner Howe has going on right yeah. now. It's craziness. Yeah, and then Bedard scores on the breakaway. Second, he gets fed on a breakaway. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a goal. The patented, you, the you patented. Just... Just right under the glove. He goes one way quickly, and then, yeah. like, I think he scored maybe, like, six goals like that so far this year. It's just, I love that guy. Wouldn't wouldn't surprise me a bit. It was beautiful. They went 4 nothing. Matthew Keeper, the keeper with the shutout. First and career. He was very excited about that. And uh, Ty Spencer. So I sit in section 116 and close enough to the ice, seeing Ty Spencer at, uh, what did he list him at, 145 pounds? You go, yeah, that's... Uh, there are big hockey players, and then there are not as big hockey players. But watching Spencer work, you go, okay, yeah. you've been you've been small your whole life. He he works with it. He's like, okay, I'm I'm not 245 pounds. Watch me go. I'm excited. I'm excited for the combination that he and Connor Bedard yeah. will be. Uh, I'm excited for more food options. I went burger. It was solid. Uh, it was twelve dollars, so it was a little pricey. I went Barks uh, Cherry Bite. That's, it's like their knockoff Solid of Dr. Choice. Pepper. Right? I Solid. 
there was a point where, if you remember during the pandemic, you couldn't get Dr. Pepper. I couldn't find mm-hmm. it anywhere in town. Yeah, I remember that. So it was I, kind of like toilet paper, pop right? style. <laughs> yeah. So I went. It was the first time I'd tried Bark's Cherry Bite or whatever it's called. Uh, and I'm like, okay, well, it's fine. Had it again at the, at the Pats game, Clayton. Recommended. Absolutely recommended. I'm a big pop guy. I'm addicted to soda. Like I, I start every yes. morning with with a 4 a.m. soda. As bad as that <laughs> is to say. Hey, here's the thing: when you wake up at 3:30 in the morning, got to treat yourself one way. Hey, so I have like soda power rankings, man. Pepsi Cherry, Cherry Pepsi, or Cherry Coke. That doesn't get much better than that. Like Cherry and soda. I don't know what it is about the Cherry and soda, but it's fantastic. Uh, don't sleep on this one too. You're gonna laugh at me. 7-Eleven wild cherry soda like the 7-eleven brand soda like you can feel it destroy your teeth as you're drinking it as like you know those off-brand sodas that you just feel feel them in your gums yeah yeah but it's it's worth it's worth it i'm telling you 7-eleven is is it a cherry or are they going for like a black cherry a little deeper black cherry wild cherry kind of thing oh yeah bring it on yeah, absolutely. I don't mind. I don't mind if you want to go into the no-named ones. Abs- I'm good with that. I I, my favorite uh, no-name is no-name iced tea, like tea with a twist and mm. stuff like that, like back in the day. Oh, yeah, the off-brand iced tea basically tastes the same as the brand name. Let's see, what are the what are the pop flavors? It's Coca-Cola. It's Diet Pepsi. It's Grape Crush. It's Dr. Pepper, obviously. Is grape very, Crush is at the top of my list Oh, lately. my Grape oh, Crush is great. My oh, stomach is, is absolutely so rotting from it, but that's all right. It's tasty. Do you guys remember Do you guys remember All Sport? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was awful. I, I don't know if that's a soda. That, that was like a mix between Gatorade and soda. It was yeah. It was delightful. It's the carbonated sports drink. Yeah, I don't remember Why that. would I want that? Why would I want a carbonated sports drink? I want to go out there and go back and sweat some more. I don't want to be running up the court and belching. That's that's not what I'm going for. Gassy is not a great state to be in for an athlete. Like Alexander Ovechkin disagrees. Ovi's hammering soda on the bench, apparently. Really? Yeah, he has like Dr. Pepper in his water bottle. Oh, I respect that. I honestly respect that a lot. If your if your system can handle that. Yeah, I'm a. Uh, what's on your garbage soda list, Clayton? Well, since we're going down this road, just you won't touch it. You can't have it. Oh, pineapple soda number one. Oh! Let's get that off the list right away. Pineapple uh... Fanta? Oh no! <laughs> pineapple uh, Doritos that I can get from the the warehouse club up here. Fantastic. No um, bad sodas. Uh, cream soda every once in a while is good, but you can't buy like a twelve pack of cream soda. Like you can't. What kind of psychopath is buying a twelve pack of? I think of that's cream fair. soda. You don't. Yeah. Um, also, too. Any non A and W root beer is not good in my mind. You stay oh, away no, from mug. Mug's not bad. You stay away from ginger ale, Clayton. If you if you. I will take no ginger ale slander on the cage. But but you're only Man, one kind I'm of ginger. I'm a ginger. ginger ale. I'm gorseman like it. I'm a red hair. I'm a redhead zinger of gorseman like ginger ale. Canada dry ginger ale. Do not offer me a Schweppes. So I'll shove it back in your face. <laughs> <laughs> Zero bite on the on the Schweppes. So, yeah. Yeah. Even after those commercials. Zero. Stanley. Yeah. No, don't don't bring the Schweppes around me, man. Oh, I feel like if a... you want to get me angry. You, <laughs> that's how you do it. I feel like a soda draft may be coming up on the mornings with Stacy and Clayton on 96.3 Cruise FM, perhaps. We've already done it. Oh, We've you have already did. done it. Oh, did you, did, you, did you take her down? You crushed her? 
I win every draft, Ben. Actually, I don't win every draft. I should win every draft, but people in Saskatoon like her way more than they like me. So they just they pick with their heart and they pick Stacy no matter what. It's not fair. All right. Speaking of picking, we got to get to the finals in the Aaron Rodgers nickname bracket. We started with eight nicknames. This from Justice Mosqueda on Twitter. He's the first one to put it out. Uh, We're stealing it because he is hilarious. Well, the nicknames he's compiled are hilarious from various internet sources. The final, the number one seed. Oh, we got we got fans in the arena for it. Oh, this is. We're at the NRG Stadium in Houston. Seventy thousand in attendance. For the number one versus the number six seed. The number one seed, Throw Rogan, versus the number six seed, Vinny Testa Positive. Fans like the underdog. What's this? Clayton Croker, which one should be Aaron Rodgers' new nickname? Throw Rogan or Vinny Testa Positive? You know, it's been a good run for uh, for Vinny, right? I mean, the first round, no one expected that. And then that second round matchup, taking that down and, yeah. and winning that matchup, I, I think they kind of uh, I think they kind of emptied the tank in their uh, in their final four matchup. I think this is a lot like the movie Friday Night Lights. I think it's uh, Dallas Carter versus Permian. And, and even though Permian's the Cinderella story and the good story, uh, sorry, Vinny tested positive. I think throw Rogan. They're, they're number one for a reason going into this, and I think they, uh, I think they're the winner. Zinger, throw Rogan got through. Let's Don't go- give me the booze. Get out of here. <laughs> they got through. Let's go, Brandon Whedon and Pitch McConnell. Throw Rogan or Vinny tested positive. Do you know what? Sometimes the underdogs come up on top, and uh, I'm gonna make my pitch for Vinny tested positive to come up on top today so it's going to come down to dt uh, to decide this thing since vinny (laughs) we can tell who's controlling the sound effects (laughs) one vote apiece the winner is throw rogan the new nickname for aaron Rodgers is absolutely throw rogan it works on every single level it's truthful it's what he does for a living and what he's maybe the best at in the nfl Throw Rogan, the new nickname yeah, yeah. for Zinger's QB. Yay, there we yay. go. Oh, we got a mixture. Oh, yeah, a little, little yeah. bit of both. Yeah. Stacy and Clayton. We need the, uh, Final thought, buddy. Uh, Monty Python. We need the Monty Python Holy Grail sound effect, and there was much rejoicing. <laughs> Stacy Clayton, ninety-six-three Cruise FM. Thank you, brother. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you, bro. Oh, always a treat, bud. See you tomorrow. Uh, Clayton Croker at Radio Clayton. On Twitter, 558 News is next on 620 CKRM. 604 on a Wednesday, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's show, the Sports Cage on Demand is available for the Canadian Brew House. Winter wonderful feature dishes available now at the Canadian Brew House. Wherever you get your podcast, please do subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. We would love to hear from you about the cage the text line always open is our phone line as well at 306-936-6262. Zinger, is that right? John the Habs fan in full effect. John, are you there? Making his 2022 I am, DG. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Happy New Year to you, sir. Same to you. It's been a while since I talked to you guys. It was last year. It, it, it was <laughs> back before we knew just what the Habs were capable of. Oh, man, our Habs sucked, John. <laughs> Man, we yeah, suck. Yeah, the most injured team in the league, um, you know, and then it doesn't help when you have a coach that uh, is a junior being coach at best. 
<laughs> you're not outside. The, is it is it mostly the the Carey Price loss that he really that he hasn't he hasn't played at all this season, right? No, he hasn't, and I don't think he will uh, play this year. Yeah, his, I wouldn't. His mental health struggles and then some injury struggles as of late. Uh, still hasn't played the the Canadians. Forty one games in, eight wins, twenty six losses, and seven overtime points. Oh my God! Yeah. No. Oh man. Well, Price is right. You know, Shane, they're battling for Shane Wright. Which uh, hey, that wouldn't be bad. Yeah. yeah. Like Shane Wright doesn't yeah. need to doesn't need to go to Arizona. Ooh. No, he doesn't. Oh. Stick him in Montreal. That'd be that'd be all right. So injuries. What's what are your beefs about the coach, John? What, what's your biggest beef? You say you shouldn't be well, any, more than any, junior. Any beef. coach that puts uh, Ben Sherratt on the power play, I don't need to see any more. And when you've got a guy like Romanov that can skate like the wind and can hit and get some offensive game, and he's on the bench, like come on. Yeah. No, no one. Dominic Ducharme. Hey, Jonathan Duran's and, uh, done. And then he puts Chris Weidman out there. Chris Weidman can go back to the KHL tomorrow, and I wouldn't miss him one bit. <laughs> <laughs> Zinger, you think Jonathan Drouin is done? Well, he today I saw the news that uh, he's out indefinitely after sustaining an upper body injury. So I dealt that will, you know, I don't know. I I'm just sad, John. Like our we go from last year we're in the Stanley Cup final and now we have eight wins or something like that. Like I that's right. But have faith in Jeff Gordon. Uh, he'll he'll turn it around. Okay. I, I mean, need he, I need all the good vibes. The Rangers are on. like the Ian McMillan called the Rangers frauds. Jeff Gorton built that team. It's <laughs> it's hard. It's it's hard for NHL fans. The Oilers finally getting their stuff together with a couple of wins in a row. Uh, still waiting on the Habs. John, thank you, brother. Always great to talk to you. DT, before I go, please. If, uh, anybody's a fraud, you tell McMillan the next time he's on there, the Leafs are a fraud, and they're going to lose four straight to Tampa or five to Florida. Re- what makes you say the Leafs are a fraud? Because uh, twenty-five wins, they're a regular season th- team. They, they can't win in the playoffs. Well, they're, yeah, they're a joke. Yeah, that's that's totally no fair. Toughness. They look pretty good so far this season, but yeah, well, they did last year. And what happened? They were, um, <laughs> yeah. like I tell Leaf fans, it was three-one. Ah, they they shut up pretty fast. You love it. You <laughs> you you love to see it. Yeah, I I would say you hate to see it, but you love to see it. You absolutely. Do uh, the Leafs are rocking it five games in hand of the Panthers and Lightning, uh, ten points behind the Panthers for first in the Atlantic Division. Uh, but as we mentioned, five games in hand that they will get going pretty soon. John, thank you, man. Thank you, buddy. John, the Habs fan, nice enough to join us on the Western Pizza Hotline. It's three zero six nine three six sixty two sixty two to call or text into the cage. Uh, this from the text line. Really surprised Western CFL teams haven't tried to lure a few key pieces from the Bombers. Don't be surprised to see Andrew Harris back in BC and Lawler off to the NFL. Dion Lacey in Edmonton and the Riders will go hard for Jameer Thurman. Those guys don't want to leave Winnipeg. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> they right? don't like, want to go anywhere. <laughs> those, I mean, everybody who's re-signed could have gotten to free agency but chose not to. Exactly. Right? Uh, Kalaros back. I, as I said here, I would have made Jackson Jeffcoat the highest paid defensive player to get him to my team. Mm-hmm. He's that big an impact to me off the edge. Big Hill, you kind of knew Big Hill would stay because he's got a, a viable business going in Winnipeg. Willie Jefferson said great things about the city, and when you're winning Grey Cups, why not? Uh, I haven't heard much of Kenny Lawler in the NFL. I know Farhan mentioned it, the texter mentions it. I haven't heard much of Kenny Lawler signing a deal or getting real getting a lot of yeah, that's news to me workouts yeah. um 
he's he was a, had a great season, and this would be the time. This would be his last window to capitalize on the NFL at his age. Mm-hmm. I just I want to see it in multiple seasons, mm-hmm. right? When BC gave uh, gave Lucky Whitehead two hundred grand based on one ridiculously good year. Well, that's you can argue. It's kind there's of a like, risk to that. It's kind of like the. It's kind of like Shaq Evans too. I hate to say it, but like 2019, great year. It was just one though, right? Just one year. It was so. It's kind of like the same thing, and yeah. So, how many guys are just you know one great year and then fall back? So Kenny Lawler, he's uh, he's turning 28 this year. So last chance to make the NFL. Is, if you this want, this is literally probably his last go at it. Yeah. So Dion Lacey back in Edmonton. Everybody wants to know what what does Chris Jones want and and who does Chris Jones want? Like he wants 50 year olds lining up at receiver catching footballs. Yeah. If if you weren't with us for the beginning of the show. Uh, we thought we were getting trolled. We thought as a CFL fan base, we were getting trolled. When the Elks made the announcement, they signed. This is literally from the announcement. 2015 Grey Cup champion Adarius Bowman, two-time CFL All-Star Emmanuel Arsenault, and CFL veteran Caleb Holly. Oh, man. Also, Riders fans may remember Matt Elam, the defensive back, and Daniel Ross, who played a game for the Riders. Goes on to say, Bowman needs O introduction to S- L- or, pardon me, Edmonton fans. He might because his last big year was 2016. Yeah, it's like a brand new fan base now. You know, it's like a generation ago. So it it was a while <laughs> ago. Uh, Arsenal played in the indoor football league last season. The, the Adarius Bowman one shocks me because Adarius is off to a, another career, right? He played in 18 with the Bombers and Alouettes. But he's like he works at a school now. Like he's like the director of admissions, athletic director, whatever at a at a high school. Yeah, he's moved on from football, and Chris Jones thought he should bring him back. Well, as as goofy as it sounds and looks, like I I like I think it's like good for the league that something like this happens because we're sim- it's why because I think. We're talking Why? about it. We're talking well, about we're it. we're talking about it. As opposed to signing an unnamed American. And that was the thing. Toronto seemed to do that for 2020 and 2021, right? We're talking about it. And yeah. what if he comes back? Zinger. And, Zinger. You know, and he does something. It, would that you, be good or bad for the league if he comes back and, and torches? This has always been my thing with, with guys Chris Jones will sign. He will sign big name. Um, he will sign not necessarily big name, but... Name American players, American players who you knew their name. And you go, oh, well, this isn't going to work, or that's not going to work, or Taylor Mays isn't going to work out, but he was a second-round pick in the NFL, whatever, out of USC. Uh, instead of guys like Ricardo Lewis, who you, I, I'd never heard Ricardo Lewis's name, honestly, before he came to the Riders. Jones will go with guys who have been first-round picks or been second-round picks or have big names or – in Darius Bowman's case, we're the best receiver in the CFL in 2016. <laughs> and I, I get it for, if you're, this is the, this is, and this is the part where, where I don't understand what he's doing. He's not, is he about getting attention? Because the things he does get attention, but everything he does after that is to get your attention away from my team. Hmm. He doesn't want to do interviews. He doesn't want to, talk to the media he doesn't want to do anything other than coach his football team then why did you why would you sign vince young hmm. right that was one you're like why why would you have done that why in this case why do you sign a darius bowman he likes the headlines you man. want you want the headlines <laughs> but you don't want to follow up so do those two things match up 
No, okay. It, the one thing I can come to with these signings is if you want guest coaches at training camp this year, Adarius Bowman, Manny Arsenal would be fantastic for your receivers. If you feel like you're going to bring in a bunch of young receivers, those guys will be fantastic for that. Because, man, uh, they both know what it is like just torching defensive backs in this league. The things that Darius Bowman could teach you on route to that 120 catch season. I had 120 catches one year. Okay, tell me everything you got. Manny Arsenault for a guy who, Manny was never the best route runner. But, dude, he would just rip the, the ball show. away from people. He would make big plays. Well, I think Chris Jones thinks that he's bringing these guys in because they're going to they're going to help him win a Grey Cup with a veteran type presence whether they're whether they have production on the field or if it's just simply that leadership or in the locker room or whatever it may be. He's I think he's bringing them in for some type of value. But it's I a mean, certain kind of leadership that he wants, right? He doesn't want anything he doesn't want remotely contrarian opinions in the in the he doesn't want guys who kind of speak their own mind, right? Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Bakari Grant, when they cut Bakari Grant after he was the 1,000-yard receiver, and I think he was the leader at yards after catch that season, all of a sudden Bakari's out. I thought, it just, is Bakari a too strong a voice for you? Mm. Do, you do you just want not yes-men voices, but something in that in that vein? Like, I, you know, why is he bringing in receivers? I thought he didn't care about offensive football, you know? That's a, that's my joke of the day. He he does. He very <laughs> well. He didn't when he was here. Uh, that was very clear watching that happen. Brandon Bridge, baby. Yeah, we're just gonna go ahead. You know what? That guy. Oh, there's a bunny. Get across the street. Okay, bunny made it safely. He's okay. Uh, bunny ripping across 12th Street here. I'm always a little scared when I see that. We know what we're gonna do, Coach. I know you need him on offense, but I'm just gonna take him for defense for six games till Nick Marshall gets back. Oh, you don't have a guy in the practice roster? No, we don't. Um, we got Deron Carter. That was if if that okay, if, if, if the news comes out that Deron Carter signs with Edmonton, that would be on the same level as this Bowman signing today because everyone will talk about is is Jones bringing him in to play on the defensive side of the ball, and that would just be like a total like slap in the face to CFL fans because it's like, oh my God, is this guy making a mockery of our league? Like this guy is not a defensive back. You know what I mean? Well, it would just be, it's, it's not competent management. I can't, I, I don't want to see this news tomorrow or coming weeks. That's just bananas. Has any other uh, team ever gone, you know what we're going to do? Uh, we're gonna take our we're gonna take our best receiver and move him to defense. Yes, in high school football. And high school football, Pee absolutely. Rams. Great but professionals. I don't think so. By the time oh, you get Deion to the pros, Sanders, maybe. Yeah, dudes are well. They took defensive players and put them on offense because they're yeah. so fast, right? And because oh, hey, why, why not harness this? Uh, did any other Eddie Steele says? Did any other coach roster five offensive linemen and use the defensive linemen if a guy got hurt? Oh my God! Uh, no, I can't think of Eddie. And by Eddie asking that question, he was the guy. And it's some of his thing. He can coach defensive football, but when Edmonton put him in charge of player personnel, I thought I, <laughs> I don't know if you've fully assessed. Either you've not fully assessed the track record of the player personnel side, or there are extenuating circumstances whereby you you can't afford two guys. You can afford one guy to hire, but not 
to. Uh, Brian puts a real spin on it. Guess the Elks won't want Duke anymore now that they've signed their receiving core today. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> One threat to Duke Williams leaving the Riders is off because <laughs> they've signed a Darius. Well, a Darius played the same. A Darius and Manny and Duke all kind of play the same position. Yeah. Can't have that. No point. I no can't, point. I can't imagine being a receiver, though, and being like, oh, man, I want to play in Edmonton right now. Like, that is just not – number one, your head coach doesn't care about offense. Number two, your quarterback is a guy who – Nick Arbuckle – Is average at best. Like, yes, he's had a couple good flashes, but like – Nick Arbuckle was good in Calgary. Yeah. Toronto was troubled. But Nick like Arbuckle Calgary, was a top six quarterback. But, like, in Calgary, look, look at, like, his cast. He was with Dave Dickinson. He had, he had Reggie Bagleton – like in the prime of his career before he went to the Packers, you had who else? Kamar was out for that. Kamar was yeah. I was just gonna say he had that injuries, but Huff, he was just Ambles, a, he, um, he was in a way better position in Calgary. Oh, I just don't see like I I think Edmonton they're gonna be in, in the bottom half of the league offensively because I just don't I just don't I just don't think right well, now they they have it. The quarterback, they, they got the running back in James Wilder. Walter Fletcher is still in a contract, so they're, they're good at running back. Yeah, but like, They got what, the what, left tackle what, that they wanted. What's James Wilder's not going to, like, we, we saw it this year, though. Like, you run the ball with Wilder, you can only do so much. If you just have a running back, you throw some swing passes to him and stuff. Because the particular running back doesn't matter if you can't block for so, him. He's a great player and stuff, but, like, uh, Ellingson's free agent, like, all their – Walker's a free agent. All their stud receivers that they had the past few years, like it's 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 all wiped out in Edmonton. It's basically like a clean slate on yeah. offense. Well, that's that's the thing, right? And that that'll be Jones's job in free agency is well, who can you bring in? And, and it's not it's, off to a good start because he's bringing in fifty year olds. That's why the, Edmonton's trash. It's not off to a great. Start. I'm Duke. I'm not wanting to go but there. The the way Calgary's going right now and the way Winnipeg is going, the Riders don't need any more challengers in the West. They can, oh, I'm all for Edmonton. Edmonton, can be, Edmonton can be dragged down to the bottom. I'm good with that because BC took a real blow with the Michael Riley one, but they might compile some amazing receivers. We don't need that. We don't need any more challengers for top spot in the West. Good. Just we're, we're good with where we're at. We don't need to see Jake Mayer blow up in training camp. <laughs> I don't need any of that. That's going to be an interesting storyline in Calgary this year with, with Bo Levi and Jake, Jake the Snake Mayer. That's going to be interesting. Oh, Bo's first three-pick game? Oh, man, the call. The leash going is going to be, be uh, short. 6-19. Plenty more coming inside the cage. Six twenty-one. the sports cage on 6-20. CKRM, before I left the house today, my wife said to me, your goal is to get me face-to-face -face with Elvis Stoiko. Oh, wow. Elvis Stoiko, he's coming to town. Frost on ice, Saturday, February 12th, 8 p.m. Free to attend. They'll cap the crowd at 10,000 at Mosaic Stadium, but you can see Elvis Stoiko. Wow. And my wife will be there, so I will be home alone watching movies in the basement. Uh, so you're Day before the Super Bowl. She wants to skate with Elvis Skate with, neck with, whatever it might be DT she wants to do with Elvis Stoiko. DT will be I sitting behind a... Behind, behind a cage or something watching it without yeah. anything he can do. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to Frost. Uh, the skins game between Dunstone and Cooey. Yeah. Six ends of curling skins magic on ice that they're not used to by any stretch, right? Yeah. That'll be 
I'm very excited to see that go on. February 4th to the 13th, he got that that I've I've been saying it for years how we need a ice rink on on Wascana. We finally have it, the rink on Wascana. It's nice and picturesque right in front of the ledge and stuff. Yep. Nice little festival hat. I think uh couple uh i think dean brody is the country artist that's going to be performing at frost it's there's just like a whole lot going on it's going to be exciting to have something to look forward to here in february in in regina yeah it's going to be great and hopefully it won't be minus 30 yeah well we don't need that if it's like this week man like (laughs) it's going to be uh like minus five the high on the weekend nothing but sun imagine if we got something like that i don't know if it's as long as it's below zero, it's okay for the ice, I guess. But, you know, you don't want slushy ice or anything. I would love to. I, honestly, I'm going to love to see the curling regardless of if it's too cold, the ice is one way. If it's five, you know, if it's five degrees in the sunshine, although the air temperature might be colder, but if the sun's beating down on it and they're sloshing through puddles. Oh, man, that must be frustrating for those curlers, isn't it? Like those guys are going to be like frustrated. <laughs> They'll be in a good mood. Yeah, yeah. They'll be in a good mood. It's all happy times. Yeah. There'll be some Baileys in a thermos that'll That's get everybody true. through. It'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun. But, hey, anytime you can get two of the best rinks in Canada going at it, even if it's on skating, you know, that you had your five-year-old child skating on the couple days before, that's pretty solid. Looking forward to that. Uh, do we do enough mockery of Aaron Rodgers? You're, you're a Packers fan through and through. Mm-hmm. Have we mocked him enough today? Uh, you know, I, I think he's I think he's taken enough this year. I, I, I think I think it's time to hang it up, DT. I, I think it's uh, a Aaron retiring. No, oh, I, not that hang. I, I apparently like I, I watched the full hour yesterday with him on the Pat McAfee show and oh and, golly, and did you? I, I, yeah, and uh, he seems to think in his mind right now that he is not sure if he's coming back or if he's going to retire the thing is if he if he decides to come back he's still under contract with Green Bay this this coming season yeah so uh it's not like if he decides to come back he's not free to go to any team that he wants to so if he decides to come back and he wants to play in Green Bay then the Packers are going to have to restructure his deal because his cap hit right now is ridiculous if he comes back and he wants to go to a different team then the Packers are in a tough spot because then they're like, okay, well, I guess we're going to have to trade you. But if the Packers want the ultimate value from Aaron Rodgers, they have to trade. They have to trade him this year because after this season, uh, his final deal, his final uh, year on his deal was void coming into this year. Right. Uh, that was part of the deal of him coming back. So if the, if the Packers want any type of value, from Aaron Rodgers, they have to trade him this offseason. Like, they have to do it. And they probably have to do it before free agency starts because teams need to know what's happening. So, Will there be a trade market for him, or has... NFL owners are not the most liberal bunch. Like, liberal in the... We we don't mind if you go out and do your thing. No, Mm -hmm. no, we want you to do our, our thing. Not politically liberal or conservative, but we don't want you being loud. We don't want you... Rocking the boat. Rogers rocking the boat. Yeah. And he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. He's happy to be doing it. I, I wonder how many owners would balk at that. And then the other part of it is who needs a quarterback? Well, uh Packers offensive coordinator 
Nathaniel Hackett, he's been getting interviews all over the place. And one team in particular he's had a couple interviews with now is the Denver Broncos. And we, Denver Broncos need a quarterback, and, yes. And that was the team uh, last year when all the Rodgers stuff was going on that everybody thought Rodgers was going to Denver. And yeah. now the fact that I don't know if they hired anyone yet, but Nathaniel Hackett, if if he's the new head coach in Denver, like, come on. Like, there you go. He, he, he's been running uh, – He's been part of the Packers offense now for a few years with Rodgers since Hackett came over from Jacksonville. If he's the new head guy in Denver, like you got to believe that like Denver is going to try to swing a deal. Like, like I don't I don't know what they would give up. You could keep Drew Locke. We don't want him. Teddy Bridgewater. Like it, it would have to be draft capital. Like for sure. And Denver's got a defense that's red. If their offense was. A one. That's the one. They would have been. In the, they would have been in the mix in the AFC for sure. Yeah, that's the one team though, especially if Hackett's their yeah, head coach. Because Rodgers isn't going to Houston. He's not. Oh. He's not going to some of these terrible places. Um, Pittsburgh. But does Pittsburgh have anything that that Green Bay would want? Rodgers says he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild too. He said that in his. Uh, end of the year presser and i think like pittsburgh they're on the verge of a of a rebuild right now 15 straight seasons of 500 or better under mike tomlin on the verge on of the a ver- rebuild they just drafted a running back in the first round Najee yeah. harris who horrible. made no impact horrible in the playoffs. Uh, well he had uh, good numbers but... whatsoever uh the afc is loaded with quarterbacks yeah the nfc i'm trying to think what well, san francisco uh because jimmy is not yeah. it they win games with jimmy garoppolo but they kind of win games in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo. Remember when Rodgers got drafted by the Packers and then uh, he was asked, uh, how do you feel that the Niners passed you up number one overall? Like, do you feel bad about it? And then Rodgers was like, well, not as bad as the 49ers are going to feel for not drafting me. Fast forward to 2022, Rodgers 0-4 all time in the playoffs against the 49ers. So it's not <laughs> it's not working out very good for him. Not at uh. all. Tomorrow on The Cage, Marshall Ferguson on the CFL, Glenn Suter in fine tailored suits, Arashma Danny, and more. Sports Cage on demand for the Canadian Brewhouse. Thank you so much for being with us. Zinger at Night is next.